Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. Uh, just welcome, folks. Welcome to our uh, welcome to this edition of the Hagman Hagman Report. Um, just a great big thank you for tuning in to our show tonight. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for so much for your belief and trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together. Well, let me just start out by saying this: if anyone out there does not believe that Donald J. Trump was wiretapped or, or surveilled electronically. Raise your hands. Yeah. I thought not. No, folks, I have absolutely no question in my mind that Donald Trump was, uh, surveillance was conducted under Donald J. Trump or of Donald J. Trump and, uh, he was, um, uh, he was under surveillance. I believe that James Clapper. I think it's. I think it's sufficient, in my view, anyway. Or, or uh, I think it's been proven that James Clapper, the former DNI, lied under oath on March 12, 2013, to Senator Wyden, um, where uh, um, I have no doubt in my mind that that uh, Clapper lied under oath when he's testified. Uh, to, to Senator Wyden under direct questioning that, uh, uh, that, that really no one, no one was under electronic surveillance by the NSA or other agencies. Right? I mean, that's essentially what he said, unless, of course, subjected to a FISA warrant. Just so people understand, FISA is the Foreign uh, Intelligence Surveillance Act. It was started in 1978, legislation 1979. It began between 1979 and 2015. There were 38,169 FISA warrants. Any, any, any guesses to FISA warrant applications? That is 38,169. Anyone want to guess how many of those warrant applications were rejected? Show of hands. Okay, third from the right there. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Under 15, 12 actually were rejected in the course of what, 35 years? Oh, 36 years. We know that in June, or uh, it was June, there was a FISA warrant application that focused on Donald Trump. In fact, it named him as one of the targets, intended targets, that was denied. Was that one of the 12? No. Because the statistics were through 2015. Good catch. So you're paying attention. <coughs> A FISA warrant was reissued on October, on or about October 15th. Much narrow, uh, much more narrow in scope. And, uh, Subsequently approved, but reportedly did involve or otherwise cover the 
um, the server or the electronic devices. Now, I, I'm getting information from sources inside the Beltway that uh, are different than than what's in the print media or in, in the um, alternative media, I, su- I suppose, and certainly not in the corporate media that that uh, one or more of the electronic devices, and that includes but not limited to the server, but also uh, telephone equipment as well, or um, under this particular warrant. Two banks in question, two Russian banks, Alpha Bank and uh, SV Bank, uh, Russian banks were uh, the uh, intended target for the second warrant. The A um, couple of other things here real quick as well. Um, when, when you look at the headlines and, and you look at, at what's taking place here, you're seeing this great overreach by the deep state. And, and I'm going to be doing a report on this, folks, because I've got so much information. You're seeing this overreach by the deep state. It has become an adversary of President Donald J. Trump and an adversary to the Constitutional Republic of the United States of America and an adversary of every every person listening to this broadcast. You've got the Progressive Party, who is an adversary, adversaries of freedom and every person within the United States, in the United States. Just to be clear as well, the man sitting in the Oval Office passed and present can order wiretap surveillance without going through FISA all that person has to do is file a certification with the Attorney General um, that, that the the wiretap or the surveillance relates to national security but here's the kicker no one can read that that application, no one can read it. So, I just want to put out the warning right now. The last thing in the world the deep state wants, I believe, the, the true powers behind the faces in Washington, D.C., the last thing that they want is a congressional investigation into the actions of the intelligence community. But I do believe that's what's going to happen, and I believe that will that will place Donald J. Trump in peril. I think he's already in peril right now. Sadly, you know, for all of the talk, by the way, Russian Ambassador Kislyak, just as a kind of a Oh, I don't know, just a little bit of trivia. He visited the White House 22 times, the Obama White House 22 times. Yeah, I know it's different. I know it. I, I know under different circumstances. Just saying, however. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, we're looking at a very serious situation here. I believe, and I wrote a, a column Sunday, and it appeared in Canada Free Press. You can comment on it. I don't know if it's aged off or not, but... This is as serious as it gets, and I do believe that this is the end game, one of the end games, with respect to what's taking place. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see this turning out well. I, I will also mention as well, and I'm looking through some notes I took today, 
the uh, executive order 12333 is something that everyone should be aware of that that sets the tone for the or that that sets the stage for the wire uh, for the surveillance and this goes on and on and on the media the intelligence community the 16 known intelligence agencies I say known because I'm sure there are more they're playing a word game a linguistics game and um, it, it's 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 to entrap and to take out Donald Trump and I do believe that Obama going to the FISA court twice or when I say Obama not personally his his regime going twice to the FISA court once in uh, June and once in October was done in conjunction with and even at the behest of the Clintons that's nowhere to be found but my research tells me that I think Clintons the Clintons are going to pop into this but um, anyway these are just some of the things we're working on as well as the uh, the Vault 7 release today 8,761 documents that span 2013 to 2017 out of those 8,761 documents there are 7,818 web pages and 943 attachments there were also 70,875 redactions of email and IP addresses within those documents until they become further studied We're going to be having more on this as well. Um, but, but they, they, they speak, I believe, um, I believe that, that, uh, they, they speak for themselves. And I think that those people who said, you know, Michael Hastings, the accident of Michael Hastings, oh, it's ridiculous to think that, uh, they could take over a car and smash it into a tree or whatever. Well, there's your proof. You got your proof. TV spying on you? You got your proof. You want to call us conspiracy nuts and kooks and theorists? There's your proof. Joe? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of very interesting developments from the the Vault 7 release as well as the wiretap information. Um, We got a great show lined up for you tonight. We are joined by T.L. Davis this hour. He is with us now. He is a, a filmmaker. And uh, we're going to... Uh, hold, hold on a second. I just got an email here. It, uh, look, 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 look. I am not taking Donald Trump to task. Somebody said you're giving... Uh, Donald Trump is much smarter than uh, than you give him credit for. What in the hell are you talking about? Okay? Uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, this emailer. Because you said he's in trouble? Well, Yeah. And well, Kennedy was intelligent too, wasn't he? Until the bullet blasted the back back of his head off. I'm trying to I'm trying to warn people out there that 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 Donald Trump is a target, as we all are. Gone. All right, T.L. Davis is our guest. He's a filmmaker. His website is ChristianMercenary.com. And uh, Mr. Davis, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. 
thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. I know this is uh, your first time on the show. Um, and yes, folks, it we're is. Gonna be, we're going to be playing um, Mr. Davis's movie trailer after we come back from the break. Uh, and I didn't mean to yell in your ear. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, Mr. Davis, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been working on? Uh, well, um, aside from writing, uh, I've written blogs for about the past 15 years or so. And um, I uh, got involved really with, you know, I mean, it started with the, uh, uh, gee, I always, I always forget this, uh, the economic collapse basically really, it started way before that, but that's what really got me into blogging and, and getting online with a, a, a lot of the other big voices in the, in the community where I learned a lot of stuff, uh, learned a lot of um, uh, facts and and things that you wouldn't know. And so, you know, for the past, I mean, it started back in the Bush administration. They always try to label everybody as, well, the only reason you got activated was because of Barack Obama. And everybody I know in this movement had been involved uh, trying to safeguard their liberty for themselves and their posterity for 10 years before Obama came in. I mean, it started back, if you want to go back, it probably started, people really started paying attention to Ruby Ridge. You know, so, I mean, that's how long this deep state idea has been going on. And having listened to all of these very influential voices... Uh, yeah, Mr. Uh, Davis, and, and, if I, I, I don't, I don't want, I, I don't mean, and I generally don't, don't like to interrupt, but I just want to say, in, in our view, the deep state's been going on since the inception of the CIA back in 1947. And, and feel free to, you know, let it loose because we don't hold back here. And I know that you're, you're being circumspect. Um, but, but you know, Dulles, the Dulles brothers establishment of the CIA. Yeah. I mean, we've had a shadow government ever since then. And, and I know you know that. Well, I've, I've read your stuff and stuff. So don't feel like you're yeah. hold back. Well, actually, I think that's very interesting because I've been working on a screenplay for a long time, um, and it's called uh, Banana Republic, and it centers around the Guatemalan overthrow in 1953, and Iran before that. And so, I mean, that's that is how how long. If you, I mean, you, I don't know how far back you can go, but I do know that in the early 50s, with um, after. World War II, when they sort of created the CIA out of the OSS, it, this has been part of the way that they operate. And so, and the Dulles brothers, you're right, you know, one was Secretary of State and the other one was CIA, and those guys were playing, you know, chess all across the globe and uh, pretty much having a free hand doing whatever they wanted. And that was kind of my focus in, in writing a screenplay about Guatemala was um, you you have a, a because they took some land you, you all of a sudden you have the CIA down there and just casually overthrowing the, the government of Guatemala and they've never been I think they're a little bit more stable now but they weren't stable for 20 years after that um, or more so yeah that's a business know, and, and, of the CIA yeah yeah, yeah and, well that's what they do and, and what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say is we're not any different. <laughs> it might have been a little bit more difficult before we everybody started using cell phones and we were transmitting data uh, through routers. But 
um, we're not any different. We are just another country with another leader that if you can take them down, you can have the run of the place. So I think right. you're, you're very astute in saying that we are in some extremely dangerous times. And, um, the, the, the film that you referenced, Lies of Omission, um, everybody who talks, uh, like, uh, Mike Vanderbilt, who died, um, I think in July, but we did the interview at January 16th of last year, and he was warning everybody, this is, this is happening, this is how it goes, this is how they do it. And, uh, they're getting closer every day. Yeah, they are. Now you, yeah, and as we look at the landscape, I'm very uncomfortable with, uh, with what I'm seeing, and I, I'm seeing the, or hearing the tempo rising. I'm seeing the, um, the, the marching get faster. I'm seeing the people on television, um, the, uh, the, the liars that comprise the mainstream media just, uh, they're running for cover, or, or I shouldn't say running for cover. They're they're dragging everything out uh, to try to cover their, themselves based on their lies of well, to coin a phrase from your film, lies of um, omission. And, and we're seeing a lot of lies of, of omission. By the way, our guest—that's uh, his. If you if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the uh, lies of omission uh, screen there. And, uh, the, the fundraiser for the, uh, production of that. But yes, yes, um, and, and by the way, I, I want to mention one more thing and then I'll just turn it back to you. Uh, folks, you gotta pray for the, 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 the conservative commentators, the conservative people like Lou Dobbs. If you noticed him last night, guy was exhausted. I, I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted on this side of the fence. And, it's because we are attempting to do the right thing, as is our guest, uh, Mr. Davis, trying to get the truth out there amidst all of this barrage of lies by commission and, of course, his film, Lies of Omission. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, well, that's if you look at your society today, honestly, that's what you're seeing. Is this the, is the accumulation of, of decades, perhaps a century, of lies of omission? Where you have, um, in, uh, down in Guatemala, they had, uh, the New York Times reporter was down there and he sniffed around. He, he knew that things were about to go south and he was trying very hard to keep them from going south. And it took nothing to have, uh, uh, Alan Dulles make a phone call to the guy at the New York Times and have him yanked back to Mexico. And that's where he stayed. And after all these years, I was looking up uh, Grusin, which was the guy, the reporter's name. And the one thing he left that he was still extremely angry with, um, and I can't think of, I can't think of the guy who owned the New York Times back then, but it's on the tip of my tongue. But the one thing he was still angry about after all of these years, before when he retired, was the fact that he got yanked out of Guatemala, and he knew it was through the CIA. And he knew it was to keep him shut, his mouth shut so that that news of what was going on down there wouldn't leak out. And you, you, so almost everything in your world 
is a product of the fact that either you've been lied to or you haven't been told the truth, and they're almost exactly the same thing. I would say that lies of omission are more dangerous because a direct lie, you can, you can refute a direct lie, but you can't refute something that's never been reported that nobody knows about. And one of the reasons for for us, and it's not just me doing it, I, I have a, a co-executive producer as well, um, Concerned American over at WRSA, uh, Western Rifle Shooters Association. Um, but the one thing that we look at is that here are the voices shouting, but they can't get past the the newspaper. They can't get past the, the broadcast. They can't get anywhere. Cheryl Atkinson destroyed her career. I mean, she she's landed on her feet, but she destroyed her career by doing something they didn't want done. And so the idea of the film is to go talk to some of these people who aren't from think tanks, who aren't from typical uh, establishment Republicans, and get get their angle, because they have no dog in the fight except the truth and, and self-defense, and uh, talk to them and, and just, just ask them random questions and see what they come up with. And it was remarkable that you can have somebody like uh, Larry Pratt, who uh, with, with Gun Owners of America, uh, basically a largely you know a lobbyist establishment type guy, had ex- almost exactly the same feelings as some of the furthest right uh, folks that we talked to. So you know, this isn't it isn't like we don't know what's going on. It isn't like everybody doesn't see what's happening. But it just cannot penetrate out into the deal. So the idea for the film was, let's get these voices down, and then we have a, a, a weapon at least. Because if a film is successful uh, and people want to see it, there's no way to there's no way to stop that. All right. What are some of the things you're focusing on? Um, it, it, just give us some examples. So, I mean, I could think of. A number of things going back to, uh, my goodness, uh, with, with, with Obama from his lack of bona fides to the, uh, gun running operation fast and furious to, I mean, to, to just so many things to, uh, the, uh, uh the, the, the targeting of conservatives via using, using the IRS to target conservatives, uh, conservative groups, of course, we saw that. What are some of the things that you're you're looking at, subject matter? Well, um, a lot of what a lot of what the film is discussing is American freedom in general. What's happened to it? What was it? What happened to it? And, and, and how can we ever get it back? And the answer to the last question is dire, <laughs> to say the dire. least. Yeah. So, but uh, we did. Uh, we did focus on Fast and Furious as a classic example with David Kodria and uh, Mike Vanderbilt, who broke this story, broke it for months. I was reading about it months before anybody got involved in it. Uh, they were both putting it on their web pages. They were talking. It wasn't until Brian Terry was killed that it, it really sort of popped up there because uh, guns from um, the ATF gun running operation was found at the uh, crime scene of where Brian Terry was murdered 
And um, but they had been yelling about it for a while. They called it Gunwalker, and that's what that's what everybody in the, the Liberty community was was familiar with. And it became Fast and Furious because that's what ATF's uh, code name for their little project down there was. And so we kind of focused on that as an example of how no matter what you do, if you cannot break the the, the golden bond between the major media outlets and the truth, if you can't get the truth through them, it's almost impossible. And it, and it took Cheryl Atkinson being a, a stand-up reporter and just doing her job um, to get it out there, ultimately to CBS. But she couldn't even get any airtime. So, you know, no, it's and just really very difficult. Uh, yeah, to refresh people's memory, Cheryl Ak- uh, Atkinson the, was the one who had her computers broken into, um, right, Benghazi, is uh, she was investigating Benghazi, CBS correspondent or reporter, I believe, right? Am, am, am I right? Right, definitely. Okay, all right. Yep, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and, and in no yeah, time she, she has her too. computer hacked. Yeah, Stonewall. Yeah. That's right. And Stonewall is the only one of the few books, and I'm not going to say the only one, but one of the few books and one of the only really successful books that actually gives David Codria and uh, Mike Vanderbilt their their um, the legitimate credit that they deserve. I mean, yeah, they absolutely. were they were Woodward and Bernstein times ten because they didn't have anybody yep. backing them up, you know. Yep, yep. I've got Stonewall on my nightstand. I just am reading it for the second time. Uh, it, right. Very interesting book. Yeah, and she does she does give the credit, but but we have to understand too, and she points this out as well. Uh, the ATF gun walking scandal known as Fast and Furious, a smaller version, a less, uh, a, a smaller version was started under George W. Bush, um, uh, out of the Arizona field office of the ATF, ATFE. But nonetheless, right. it was expanded, it was expanded, uh, under Obama. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com is our website. Hagman and Hagman for the show website. Resurrecting under a, a new banner, of course, HomelandSecurityUS.com. And, uh, follow us on our social networking. And please, if you're listening to this, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Even if you're listening to this via BTR. And Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much, Global Star Radio Network, for carrying our program and BTR as well. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Our guest, Teal Davis, we're going to be right back after this. Stay right where you're at. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. back ladies and gentlemen to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman report um, there's a lot going on in the in the world of news you have you know the the continuing information about the Trump wiretap and the insanity that has been going on in the media uh, since then as well as the vault 7 CIA leaks and you have more insanity from the news coming out about that there's some really good stuff on Drudge on the right-hand side. It, it gets into some detail uh, about what these documents talk about, and then you can go right to WikiLeaks if you want to download the file yourself. Uh, but they're saying more significant than the Snowden docs. And a lot of this confirms the things that we already knew, but the proof is in there. Uh, this segment, we are still joined by our guest, T.L. Davis. ChristianMercenary.com is the website as well as uh, he has a fundraiser site for Lies of Omission. Uh, that is fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R dot com forward slash Lies of Omission and the number one. Um, and that's his film, Lies of Omission. We have a, a trailer that we're going to play for you uh, from Mr. Davis's film. So here you go. 
speak directly to the younger generation. What is it? What is it about America, about the America of your childhood, that is worth saving? First thing I'd say is I would quote Leon Trotsky, who said famously that that you may not be interested in war, but war is interested in you. I think just the, the idea of freedom, the idea that you can exist outside of being a subject of a government. We're going to lose our freedom, and I don't think that your generation is even going to be paying attention. There are many, many people who foresaw. World War II. It was it was obvious to everyone. Obvious to everyone except the people who mostly ended up being victimized by it because they believed that the world that they grew up in was going to maintain itself forever. That they were always going to live in a country with certain rules and that no one would violate those rules. That's the position you're in now. All right? You don't want a war. If I could just not see what's really happening in the world, if I didn't know what was in the news, if I didn't know what was going on behind the walls of the NSA or the CIA or the FBI or the IRS or the ATF, I could be so happy. I'm just curious, and that makes me think that so news anchors or like people that go interview politicians then just do monkey wrenching to make them sound like an idiot. <laughs> Although unfortunately, an awful lot of news anchors monkey-wrenching to make politicians sound better. Freedom is something that you think is like the air. It's like a birthright. Like I turn the water tap and water comes out. I flip the switch, a light comes on, and I'm an American, so I'm free. Why should your generation be expected to care about freedom when you're not taught it? Why should you think about freedom? us as individuals to take action. We can't just say we voted for the right person, we gave money to the right group, we wrote a letter to the editor and we're done. It's up to us, if we really care about something, to take action, to try to fix it. And that was the uh, Mr. Davis's trailer for Lies of Omission. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Davis. No, oh, thank you. Um, before we before we uh, continue, can you get into the film a little bit and um, the the Lies of Omission title? You, you spoke about that in the last segment. Uh, can you explain right. that a little bit more? Uh, what some of what you found out while making this film? Well, um. Some of what started the uh, the title, what kind of inspired the title was uh, the director, my daughter, had gone to Sundance and watched the film Under the Gun by Katie Couric. And she's not as indoctrinated as I am. Uh, she's not as, as steadfast. She was more appalled by the film in the first five minutes at the, the lousy editing job they did. 
because she's the director. She's the she's the real talent behind this. Um, myself and and CA at WRSA have the contacts, but uh, she's like the real creative talent. And um, she was appalled because of that. And that sort of got the idea is that, you know, these are lies of omission. But then when you look at it, it goes so much deeper than just the media. You know, it's it's what they they do that they don't tell you that. And, and it sparks conspiracy theories. And unfortunately, most of the conspiracies are right um, because they're really doing it. And so... I'm not sure if I answered your question there. Uh, yeah, um, and you know, you see the uh, the continued the growth of the government and the government expanding and, and branching out into all areas of society, and then um, they just continue to say they're going to you know do this and that to help the people, but they're really only out to help themselves. And, and the only thing they, yeah. they help with us is help take away money from our paychecks. Well, exactly, and, and you know, it's like today uh, with the the um, uh, revelation of the new Obamacare light, or however you want to look at it. The fact is, the only thing government has ever needed to do to solve problems is to get out of the situation. Now, there's some things that obviously a government is good for doing, but for the most part, if they would extricate themselves, things would get better. But you have people in office who, they're all running basically the same scam. You know, give me money so that I can go there and I'll carry the torch for you. And they go there and they drop the torch and they start working for themselves. And I don't know that, as we've said, there has been said many times, this is not a government designed for people who don't take their oath seriously. But when they swear to God, it means nothing to them. And it really doesn't work without that oath. Because otherwise you're just, everybody's at the trough. Nobody cares what they said. I don't know about anybody else, but when I was in the Air Force, when I put my hand up, I probably didn't think about it too much. I just kind of recited the words. But when I saw the country being yanked around and the Patriot Act was a big one you know Ruby Ridge was a big one Waco's a huge one uh, all of these little things that are telling me that you swore an oath to defend something that they're obviously and clearly violating and you have an obligation and that's where the film comes in because every individual that we interviewed felt exactly the same way they don't have any money they're not making money from having the opinions that they do you know, right. they care about this country, and they care about the Constitution. And they can see that, that what they're doing with our country, in the name of our country, with our dollars, is absolutely horrendous. It, it, it's disgusting. So, what, what everybody sort of had a, a, a stake in it. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, looking at the landscape of our country right now, and a very serious one when I'm, when I'm saying that, you know, this is a fight. I believe that this is the most perilous time our country has faced, and you know, at least in this generation, if not uh, for the past, uh, I don't know, for the past century, maybe. Uh, when I say perilous, it's not caused by President Trump. It's being caused by the deep state, by the progressive communist element. And, you know, 
the only th- by the way, and I just want to interject one thing. I, the only thing I, I disagreed with the uh, uh, President Donald Trump's tweet about was the use of the word McCarthyism. McCarthy was 100% accurate. People didn't like his delivery. He was a flawed character, to be sure, but McCarthy was accurate about the communist infiltration in this country. But having said all of that, um, looking at the landscape, my question to you, uh, Mr. Davis, is looking at the landscape. Uh, actually, i got two questions. One that's got to do with the... Um, the, uh, the uh, title of your, uh, of, of your, of your website, uh, Christian Mercenary. Uh, but, but the first question is, well, what do you, what do you see as the biggest, uh, uh, threat to our country right now? And the second thing, the second question about the title is, how'd you come up with the title and why, uh, did you come up with the title of Christian Mercenary? And you can answer those in any order you want to. Um, well, the biggest threat I see to this country are the people running it and the people who were running it. I mean, we see now uh, very clearly, too clearly, that there is no, I, and I, I wrote this in the blog, and I'll, I'll explain that title in a minute, but one of the things I wrote in a, in a post not too long ago was, you know, forget about it. Don't even look at these guys as Republicans or Democrats. I mean, that's archaic. It's gone. It's, it's, it's nonsense now. You either have people who are interested in globalism and the deep state or you have people who are interested in personal liberty and uh, in the, the normal uh, Republican type functioning of the government those are the only two you really got and, and trust me there and I'm sure you know I mean I'm not telling you anything but uh, the latter is is the less populated side almost everybody either recognizes the power that they can gain from the deep state or they're terrified of the power they have and so they react the same and as far as uh, so I think I think the, the, the obviously the most dangerous thing to this country are the people leading it because they don't stand for it they don't stand for anything and I'm not talking about everybody because there's a couple Representative Steve King out of Iowa I think is probably one of the most stand up dudes I've ever met encountered in my life um, and then for as far as the blog goes Christian Mercenary is it comes off of the title banner uh, basically says that liberty is a God given right and it's our duty it is I'm paraphrasing, but it's our duty to defend it. Because the way I look at it is this. If you're a Christian, then I I think you could, or at least I recognize, that the second gift that God gave to man beyond life itself was the liberty to decide whether to follow or not. So to me, liberty is like right after the, the, the breath of life, Liberty was the next gift. And to not cherish that, to not be willing to become one of God's mercenaries. And people say, well, you can't be a mercenary because they get paid to kill people. Well, you can be a mercenary for anything you want to because you're, you're not necessarily following, you know, the, the society itself. You become a mercenary for a cause. And... It's a little bit contradictory, but it kind of gets a point across that I was trying to make. So. Yeah, and I think, uh, believe me, believe me, it's, it's uh, to, to me, being a Christian is not being 
does not uh, require one to be passive. And certainly, um, I don't agree with Christians who say, well, we must be passive as Christians. I, I, I believe, and this is my belief, and people are welcome to believe whatever they want to believe, but I believe that we have we have not just the right but the duty to stand up and to protect our faith, to protect our families. And um, so, so I don't have a problem with the name. I, I just, the, at all, um, I just know some of the blowback that, that uh, people will see that and say, oh, my goodness, you know, that's horrible. That's like ISIS talk. And, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're not like that. So anyway, yeah, I just, I want to clear no, that I up. Do, because I do get yeah, that. I usually ahead. get the What I usually get from that is um, when people bring it up, it's usually that um, they start quoting the um, – the one we're supposed to obey our our leaders because God put them in in place. That's what I oh, usually sure. get that. Yeah. And I say, well, yeah, you that's know, fine, except yeah. we hijacked the system by voting. You know, I mean, he was putting <laughs> keys in it's place. An interesting take. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. You, you, yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that. I, I do. I do. Well, okay. So, so you did say a lot here in, in terms of, uh, where we're at. And, and I think, you know, with, with the breaking news of today, well, let, let, let me, the natural question, I suppose, uh, what do you, where, where do you, what do you think of the last several months when we had, I mean, the last several months, you have to admit, was a roller coaster of news and, and events and it's like, my goodness, you, you go from an Obama regime to a, Almost certain Hillary win to a the ascendancy of Donald Trump to the presidency, and then you've got all this other stuff. I mean, uh, uh, wow! There's no shortage of anything to talk about. I guess. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not well, even sure of the question I was going to ask you, but but well, I think I, well, I think I I see what you're getting at, and one of the things is what you. What we are seeing now, because like you say, it was a roller coaster, but I'm going to tell you, I honestly believe that a lot of the reason we're seeing the problems that we're seeing now is because everybody was so sure that Hillary Clinton was going to get elected and clean up Obama's mess, or at least keep it under wraps. When Donald Trump walked in and they had nothing on him, and he was not an, uh, an apparatchik, um, I think it scared him to death, and I'm sure it did. And the more that he pursues... But what I am, what I'm also going to say though is I think that he has to look into some of the things that they swept under the rug to expose them for who they are. And one of them I would like it to be Fast and Furious, just because I think if you're and you know whether it started under Bush or or not, there was enough oh, things that went yeah. on under Bush that I haven't been a fan for a while. You know, um, sure, but. Uh, but anyway, the point is, if you can, if you can condone as a government that idea of you don't care how many people get killed, as long as you bump up those, uh, you make a case. And here's the thing: you can tell why it, you you can tell why you know it comes from Rahm Emanuel, because he's using exactly the same logic today to defend himself uh, with the the death count in Chicago. What does he say? Well, it's the lax gun laws in Indiana. Isn't that exactly the same logic that was that fueled the idea of Fast and Furious? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know what? If, 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 um, uh, Mr. Davis, go ahead and give us a, a kind of a Cliff Notes version of 
of the uh, architecture of Fast and Furious and, and the, the reasoning behind it, because I, I do think you make a great point here. Rahm Emanuel, death count in Chicago, body count, it's horrendous, as you know, uh, President Trump says, as a disaster. Um, give us a little bit of a primer on Fast and Furious, because it's still... It's still used as a template today, and I think you're absolutely 100 percent right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. go go ahead. Well, I, obviously, someone like David Codria uh, um, would probably be a fantastic guest uh, guest because he he really knows the ins and outs of it. But the idea was, and, and this is apparent in the film, the idea was if we push guns down south of the border, and we can prove that the guns being used and the murders in Mexico are coming from the United States, we can make a case for toughening our gun laws so that that will stop happening. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, except oh. that it costs, and they say a thousand, thousands of lives, I, I don't know. Um, they found those guns in, uh, I think, France, um, at one of those terrorist yeah. attacks, yeah. so... You know, who knows? Yep. Who knows how far it actually went, or how many people actually died of it? All I know is it's a heck of a lot to make a point, to make a political point. And um, that's right. That's one of the things that they really take. Uh, you know, several people do. Matt Bracken's in the film. Claire Wolf's in the film. Um, Larry Pratt's in the film. And they all eventually kind of come uh, around it. I don't think Claire maybe, but. Most of them come around to that that point of view. Is that to make really no kidding to make a political point to pad statistics? I mean that is a that is a Marxist mindset that is is absolutely terrifying. You know. Yeah. Now, now let me go back to something you said too um, about President Trump because this is so germane, I believe, to what's taking place today. Um, the, the fact that he's got to clean up or he's got to expose what Hillary was expected to maintain a veil over. I do believe that, that that's, that's a requirement. If he doesn't do yeah. that, his time will be short. And I, yeah. I, I certainly don't want to see that. Um, well, one thing you, ha- one thing he has to do is get them off balance. You know, I mean, he did it with the, the, the leak, but I mean, he needs to keep them off. He needs to get them looking over their shoulders so that they don't have time to prosecute the rest of their dirty plans. You know? I agree. And that, that's an astute observation on your part, I believe. Looking at this, he's, he's going to have to, uh, uh, really do some things to expose some of the machinations of the Obama regime, what Obama has done. If, you know, whether it's Fast and Furious, Benghazi, the, the wiretapping IRS scandal, I mean, you name it, there's so much. But, but the Marxist push, the, uh, what do you think, and I know we're kind of straying off topic here, but what do you think about Obama hanging back, shacking up with Valerie Jarrett, organizing for action? What do you think, what's going on there? What's going on? Well, I, I don't have any specific intelligence on anything, except that I do know when things don't look right. And part of his um, his actions in the past months before he got out of office, by trying to bring as many illegals in as he could, by trying to bring as many Syrians in as he could, by trying to release... I mean, how many pardons did he write? I don't even know. It was an insane amount. 
Um, and then the actions that he's taken then, you're looking at it and you're thinking, if he's not planning some sort of some sort of coup, these actions don't make any sense. I mean, you're importing your army, your fighters, your 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 battle toughened guys. What for? Me? <laughs> I'm not that big a threat, you know. So it has to be for another purpose. And in in I like to, you know, withhold judgment until I I, I know something. And I'll willingly tell you, I don't know anything here. I'm just saying that it looks very suspicious for a former president to not just go play golf and build his library and and uh, get fat. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, this looks yeah, like... Sure. Uh, uh, Bush is out there painting portraits, and, and you got uh, Carter building houses still. Yeah, yeah. Clinton out there uh, they, uh, enjoying the high life on the... On the uh, on the on monkey business in Bimini, but yes, yes, and but you got Obama working, sure. yeah. And then you got Obama doing more work now than he did when he was in the Oval Office. He has to have something in mind, and 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 here's part of it: if Donald Trump is in a perilous position because either he goes at them hard and gets them to backpedal, or they will come after it. He's just not in a good position because he has to do one or the other. If he goes slow, they'll tear him apart. If he goes fast, he'll accelerate the pace. So the only thing that he can count on is that I recognize, and I think a lot of people do, that this is a battle for this country. We're either going to be Marxist or we're going to regain some semblance of freedom, but it's going to come through this issue. Um, well said, uh, and you're right. We are at a turning point here, a hinge moment in history, where if people don't step up, there won't be anything left to uh, step up to. It's going to be a, a the decisions will be made for us. We got about two minutes left. Uh, wow, this went quick. Uh, our guest uh, T.L. Davis, uh, the floor is yours. Next two minutes. Uh, well, I, go ahead. I would just like to encourage people to come to the site. And donate some money so that because we, we need to finish this film. We're in post production now, but that's really where all the money is because you can't get somebody else to do it. He'll do it for on gratis. Um, because we can't go in to the average sources for film funding. Nobody wants anything to do with a conservative documentary, and um, so we've gone through the fundraiser side. It's been successful. We've gotten the footage that we needed. We've traveled all over the country to get it. Um, but the only way these voices are going to get out is if we do it, because nobody's going to give us a hand. So I would encourage them to uh, help me get these voices out to the public. And that's, when, when, that's when, about when, it. When's your release date on this? I mean, uh, the release We're date. If, yeah, go ahead. We're, we're trying for June. That's what we're really looking for. Right now, we're, we're kind of hung up. We need to buy some, uh, we need to buy some stock footage and, and it's like 500 or it's like $150 for a picture of, uh, oh, Isakoff for heaven's sakes, you know? I know. So <clears throat> that's where, that's where we really need, you know, but if we can get the funding and we start getting this together, we're hoping we'll have it together by June and then, um, um, 
and, and we're trying real hard to stick to that. It's just we're falling a little bit further behind all the time. So. Hmm. All right. Well, there Although they screen. have been very generous. Don't let me sound like nobody's helped because they really have. You know. Well, right, right, and and you know, people people are willing to to contribute and build conservative causes for you know for the uh, uh, to, to preserve uh, the republic. And and this is interesting. This is good. Lies of omission. That's the uh, working title uh, of the film. And of course, Steele Davis. You can go, just go to HagmanReport.com, and the links are there. Mr. Davis, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight. What a, what, a, what a great interview. What a patriot. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much for giving me a platform. That's very, yeah. very important to us. Oh, and, well, we're going to be in touch. Keep, keep us posted okay. on this. All right. Sure. Thank yeah, you. we'll do. All right. Thank you. That was T.L. Davis of ChristianMercenary.com. Coming up next, we have William Ramsey. He's a returning guest, and we're going to be talking about a number of things. Um, it's going to be a great interview, and his website is in cult, occultinvestigations.com. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these short messages. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right. You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks, Pro Flowers, and Casper Mattress, some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanandHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanandHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanandHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. And go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity.
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. So glad that you tuned in. Thank you for spending your time with us. I know that you could be doing other things, and maybe you are listening to us. Uh, if you're listening via Global Star Radio Network or BTR, Blog Talk Radio, or, or if you're watching us, you can watch us on YouTube Live, our official YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our channel. That does elevate us and provides us a level of insulation. One more thing I'd like everyone to do, in, in addition to subscribe, in subscribing to our YouTube channel. You ready? Folks, please do this. Go to HagmanReport.com. Look for the old style radio. There are the show notes for the week. Well, it's right there on, uh, near the top. You can see it. It's an old style radio. The radio changes every week because we do change the dials and we change the, uh, we change the guests, of course. And, um, but John Robertson, our, our program director, producer, has put a lot of work into that. Uh, check that all of the time, all right? Because there you will find out what we're talking about. And, and our guest coming up here is William Ramsey. He's the purveyor of the very, very popular website, Occult Investigations, uh, William Ramsey Investigations, Occult Investigations. Okay, but that's, uh, it's linked off of HagwinReport.com. He's also the documentary filmmaker behind the highly trafficked YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates, where his films deal with everything from, that's right, the scandal known as Pizzagate, to Satanic Hollywood, Satanic Hollywood. And, um, his publications include the Children of the Beast and Abomination. He's been on before. He's a very, very talented, very, uh, very interesting guest. Very, <laughs> just a prolific, uh, uh, author, great speaker. And, uh, he's, he's, he's got, uh, he's a talented investigator. I'll tell you that. Before we get to Mr. Ramsey, I just want to mention that Texas Ready. Folks, we need to, I'm going to thank everyone for, first of all, for supporting our advertisers. Because by supporting our advertisers, you support our program. But Texas Ready, they have seed banks, the best seed banks in the world. They're the best for good reason. They contain the best, regionally appropriate, open-pollinated heirloom seeds. You know, they're certified. Most seed banks don't go to that expense, but they, Texas Ready, believes you're worth it. And you are. We are together. 
the germination rate on their seeds is just absolutely outstanding. And you know, if you don't know how to garden, they have several excellent reference books that, uh, that help you grow plenty of nutrient dense food, start plants from seedlings, save seeds correctly. I mean, it gives you the entire, uh, instructions on everything seeds. I'd have to bring that book in. I have it at home. It's it also teaches you what crops to plant next to each other to uh, better maximize the yield on your gardens, which is something I never thought about before uh, getting into gardening, but you can grow a lot more plants if you learn exactly where what other plants you should uh, are good to plant them next to or if they need to be planted alone. That's Texas Ready, texasready.com.net. Sorry about that. All right, our guest this hour is William Ramsey. He's been a guest on in the past. Occult Investigations is his website. Uh, Mr. Ramsey, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Joe and Doug, thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. It's great to have you. So, you know, one of the things out of the gate, I want to, I guess um, I wanted to ask you about uh, kind of an update on the Pedogate scandal, but uh, you, we can go anywhere you want to go. But I just, uh, I, I'm very... I've been collecting information on this since the last time we had referenced this, and uh, man, I'm seeing some some horrific things worldwide uh, reaching into places that people probably would never believe. And by the way, folks, uh, awakened to the shaken, May fifth and sixth, Gurney, Illinois. Pastor Paul Begley, PaulBegleyProphecy.com. Sign up for that. We're giving a presentation on just this topic, along with Russ Dizdar. But, uh, Mr. Ramsey, uh, what's the latest, with, if you care to share about Well, I mean, as far as it's, yeah, I just think that the arrests are taking place. There's been, been 1,500 arrests in the last, you know, since Trump was inaugurated. So I think that something is taking place in the government where these, these arrests are allowed to take place. But I do think that... Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that some of the larger operators, you know, will come under the scrutiny of the federal, uh, legal infrastructure, you know, because I think that, uh, there's definitely enough information for a, uh, a really solid investigation to take place in some of these people like Podesta or Alephantis. And I think it's unfortunate for, uh, these people to use, I think what, from what I've seen in the last couple months, the resources of Media Matters and Correct the Record are being used to uh, kind of intimidate and undercut people who are investigating Pedigate. So uh, I think that, you know, that's an unfortunate event. And uh, But I do think that the investigation people are still, there's still traction. My understanding is that there will be two or three um, meetings in D.C. close to or nearby Comet Ping Pong to uh, protest or, you know, bring attention to the whole Pedigate uh, conspiracy. So, you know, some of the updates that I know of are that uh, Lynn DeForster Rothschild sent a, uh, a tweet that basically chided and upbraided or uh, insulted John Podesta and called him a loser. And I thought that that was interesting because she is in the Instagram pictures of James Alephantis. She's standing behind James Alephantis' former boyfriend, David Brock. So the fact that she seems to have been turning on uh, 
on Podesta is, uh, I think, a, a po- you know, positive event as far as, you know, them kind of not holding, holding, towing the line together. So it seems like she's kind of cutting, cutting it and making your, taking a distance from Podesta. Uh, maybe she so, has so, more. So, uh, okay, let me get this straight. Uh, the Rothschild, Linda Rothschild, uh, is calling Podesta, called Podesta a loser, right? Is that in, the, in the context of the election that, that she lost, her, uh, he lost yeah, her yeah, yeah. the election. But I uh, see, I think, I take that as a, a distraction. She's not calling them out for, um, you know, other things, things that they, there's even relations between the two of them, um, in the periphery of different friends and events. So they're a lot closer than it it appears, and I I believe that was just um, maybe her way of venting some frustration at, at Podesta for the election. But they did not get into obviously uh, she didn't call him out for. Well, man, I, I, yeah, but uh, Mr. Ramsey, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, that's pretty strong language because if, if if I'm friends with somebody, well, let's say Mr. Ramsey, you and I were were you know tweeting. Is that lawful? Right. Uh, anyway, let's say, we're, we're, and I called you a loser, man. I don't think he'd take too kindly to that, right? I don't think I would. I mean, especially if huh? we were, you know, in the same run in the same circles and our friends were similar yeah. and we uh, were interested in the same issues. And then you called me that. I think that, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be dejected. I also think that that would be something that would, you know, rend a relationship. So I think that there, especially Rothschild, he was the money behind a lot of these kind of, PR campaigns and probably a major benefactor to the HRC campaign. She turns on, you know, uh, Podesta. I think that that's uh, incredible. And, and she, she, she said, she said, you ran an arrogant and out of touch campaign. You have destroyed a great family and are a loser. Period. So strong work. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that that that, that kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because uh, I don't know. Boy, you can destroy a relationship, uh, e- even a perverse one, in under 140 characters. That's pretty cool. All right. Anyway, I mean, and you have well, to think like Twitter. Yeah. You know, Trump is using Twitter to his advantage and getting words out in you know very terse terms. And I think that this is uh, something that Lindy Rothschild did. She wanted to, you know. Make a thing, and that that tweet was shared and spread around, so kind of everybody knows it. I'm sure within the Democratic, you know, party, everybody's aware of her opinion. So I, I think that that's very telling for her to say that publicly. Yeah, I I, I do too. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm about ready to to get a get in a pickup truck, uh, grab some uh, good old boys, get some pitchforks and torches, and uh, head down to D.C. That's my mentality, okay? Obviously, then, folks, don't send me emails, okay, about that. I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, wow. Uh, things that are taking place here, uh, it's just, you know, I, I almost feel like saying I'm getting too old for this stuff. Yeah, I, I can't believe some of the uh, stuff I, I'm seeing take place and then all of the news here this past week. It's just been in the past 48 hours, 72 hours. It's crazy. But uh, where, where do you want to start? Well, um, something that I've been following closely and something that happened in your neck of the woods in Pennsylvania yesterday, it's, it's incredible timing that I'm on your show uh, tonight, is that the body of Dakota James was found in the Ohio River. He was a young man. He was a Duquesne graduate student who had disappeared on January 25th. And uh, he finally was, there was an incredible amount of searching looking for Dakota James. There were search parties. His family was heavily involved. 
they ran a very, they were very active on media of all different types. And tragically, he was found in water. Um, but not only is the loss of his life a tragedy, I do think myself and other researchers for some time have seen that this is a pattern where young men go out drinking, they get kicked out of a bar, and uh, they disappear for a while, and then they're found in water. And some people have referred to it as the smiley face killers. It goes all the way back to the early 90s where this, this type of tragedy is happening. And I've been following it closely, and uh, it's just incredible that he um, he was found yesterday. And, and there's another young man who is missing in Pennsylvania who uh, disappeared under strange circumstances. His name is Brad Verrett, and uh, hopefully he makes it home safely. But he's been uh, he's been missing since February seventh. So, uh, well, okay, yeah, just so just. Uh, Mr. Ramsey, just so people know, Dakota James, 23 years old, he's from the Pittsburgh area, Robinson Township. Um, he was going to Duquesne University, I believe. He was a student there. Disappeared. was found Monday morning in the Ohio River. Um, and, uh, yeah, wow, wow. Okay, and then, uh, then we have another one that uh, you said, and, and go ahead. I just want to make sure people knew about Dakota. Sure, I'm sorry, but yeah, the other one, they're both kind of similar circumstances, in a bar, on their phone, and then walk out and kind of disappear. Dakota James was with friends, he was last seen with his phone, um, possibly on kind of a, a meetup kind of pro, uh, app, and uh, the same thing, one of the interesting things about Barrett is they have a CCT video of him walking right by his car, just moving out into somewhere, and then he disappeared right out of there, so... Uh, it's pretty shocking, and he was from Reading, uh, kind of northwest of Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, you want to keep him in your prayers. Hopefully, his his family will be able to find him. But it, what do you make you of know, this? Uh, there's, there's a pattern here, and I think there is. I think there's a distinct pattern to, to this. What do you make of it? What kind of pattern? I mean, what? My conclusion is that young men are being targeted. They're being drugged. They're being followed, abducted. And then held for a time and murdered. And I think it's been happening for 20, 25 years at least. And it's not just happening in the United States. It's happening in the UK. I found many cases recently. Particularly there were two that just happened. A guy by the name of Lewis Ball and Deacon Wilkins. They were, it happened in Bristol in southwestern UK. And something like this actually happened at a, at a vacation spot in Thailand of all places where a man thought he was drugged and then was found in water um, last month. So I think that uh, there is, and I, I believe that it involves uh, kind of, it's in a gay environment often, or there's something like that. Most of the men who are targeted, they're never overweight. They're never overly stocky. They have a kind of standard body type, very, you know, they're, they're all, you know, younger guys who are healthy. So... I think that that's definitely a consistency uh, among these victims that stretch back, like I said, 20, 25 years. There's about 50 to 100, 100 of them. Uh, one of the original investigators, there were uh, people, a guy by the name of Jeff Gannon. He was a New York City policeman and then a uh, university professor by the name of Gilbertson from the Midwest were two people who wrote a book called Case Studies in Drowning Forensics that really – when in detail, they did a fantastic job, very scholarly job on these cases that had happened. 
and uh, they notice the commonality as well. And there's also been some journalists that, that have worked on that as well. I, I do want to say that uh, you know have a, a placing a body in water or disposing of a body in water is usually a, a, a forensic countermeasure generally, okay, uh, just as an FYI for people um, or from an investigative standpoint. So, uh, but, and, yes. yeah, go ahead. No, go, go. I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. I think that that's happened in other cases. Some people have disposed bodies. If you look at the Atlanta child killings, those were all disposed in bodies to erase evidence. Um, so, you know, uh, forensics can have a hard time concluding certain things if a body is placed in water. And I believe that the perpetrators of these crimes knows that. I think that they're intentionally placing them in the water uh, to make it also the public perceive, well, what happens in water as an accident or the, an, un, uh, an accidental drowning. In Dakota James's case, um, he was found 40 days after he disappeared. And I haven't heard anything about the autopsy information, but typically in a, in a body of water that hasn't ever been frozen over, uh, a deceased person will come to the surface at the latest date, 20 days. So there's, there's some time uh, that's not accounted for in the... Uh, disappearance and death of Dakota Dakota James. Do we, do we have any idea uh, with respect to Dakota James? And uh, I know that we don't necessarily want to focus our time on this alone, but uh, decomposition of the body, because um, you had mentioned that you felt that he was held for a time. And obviously the state of the body upon discovery, given a bunch of other factors, uh, the water and such, but any idea... Uh, state of decomp on the body? I haven't haven't determined that. Uh, They were able to make a determination that it was him very uh, right on the spot uh, early yesterday morning. So I have not been able to ascertain what the state of the body is. But if if he was recently uh, put in water, that tells you everything people need to know about his disappearance. Yep. Indeed. Indeed it does. We're talking with William Ramsey. Uh, He's... Uh, I'll tell you, he, William Ramsey's great investigator. Uh, West Memphis Three. Uh, that's kind of uh, you cut your teeth on that uh, West Memphis Three case, right? Yes, uh, that's your, so as far as okay. true crime. Yeah. I mean, I wrote Prophet of Evil before that about Crowley, but then I kind of veered off into this kind of uh, place that was very disturbing. Was when West Memphis Three was also also involved um, deceased persons in water that. Uh, erased or uh, made forensic determinations very difficult. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, continue. Uh, yeah, well, you were West also Memphis talking about the... Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. The West Memphis 3 is an amazing case because the public uh, generally, at least the time that I was researching it, believed that the three uh, people who were actually convicted were falsely convicted, that they were convicted on bogus charges. Uh, the three were Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly. And they were let out of jail in August of 2011. And so they're actually uh, signed documents that said that they agreed that they they confessed a first-degree murder. They're on probation for 10 years until 2021. But uh, they were released with the help of many celebrities, many big-name celebrities, Johnny Depp, Margaret Cho, Henry Rollins, uh, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. These guys came out and spent their money and time to help these guys get released. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, well, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I researched the case. The, the good news is that you can actually go back and read the case files. They're located at Callahan AK. So the entirety of the case, all the way from when the events happened in May 5th, 2003, all the way to the present are there. And so I just, you know, put my kind of legal hat on and started reading, and I was like, this is incredible because I've known about Crowley and the case files and all the investigative files show that the cult ran through the case, and they actually run through it to this day. Um, but uh, there were references to Aleister Crowley. There were references to sacrifice. There were pictures of uh, the child sacrifice that these guys had drawn. And then I found that, that there were confessions made by Jesse Miskelly post-conviction. So after he was convicted in 2004, he admitted to the crime, named Baldwin and uh, Eccles, and... There were also other evidence that Eccles was in three different mental institutions prior to the crime. So once I looked over all that and I'd saw it, seen that the uh, Supreme Court of Arkansas, where the, the crime happened in West Memphis, denied the appeal and that the they actually lawyers appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States who denied certiorari. Um, I was pretty convinced that the jury, the two juries who convicted these these three guys were correct and that they were accurately followed and tagged as uh, perpetrators of this, the killing of three young men, three young boys who are eight years old. What a story that is. You know what, and the the thing that is troublesome, uh, aside from the, the, the killings, um, is these celebrities that, you know, are always ready to, to rush to the defense of, of murderers, of pedophiles, of, of the, you know, the moral corruption of our country. They do this, you know, they inject themselves in, into these situations from politics to, yeah, uh, exactly, it's satanic in nature. And they seem to gravitate to this sort of behavior in the peoples. It's really strange. And then the, you know, the cult mentality of most of the American people who are, for whatever reason, captivated by the culture of celebrity and, you know, will basically do anything or say anything to, to feel that they are a part of that, that society. Excellent point. I mean, I think that the culture, the culture of celebrity was a huge factor in getting these guys released. And uh, one of the things what the celebrities did is they started to raise money for the West Memphis Three. They were able to raise something between between an enormous sum, between between ten and twenty twenty million dollars. And that money was used to get the best lawyers in the United States and get PR people out of New York. And that further kind of steamrolled or snowballed. The, the perception that these guys were innocent and then more money came in and that's, that would lead to basically the attorneys put pressure on the prosecutors in Arkansas to the point where the art, the, 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 in my opinion, the prosecutor kind of blinked. He didn't want to take them to court and try them again because of what could, you know, the public, you know, outrage at trying these supposedly three innocent guys. And so he just said, well, well, you, you, uh, you know, say that you're, you committed the crimes and, you know, sign these papers for first degree murder and I'll let you out on 10, 10 years of probation and they're out. So that's pretty remarkable. You know, you make, you make some very great points, um, in your work about the West Memphis Three and even talking about these current cases. But as it applies to the larger case of Pedogate, what I'm seeing, in addition to the satanic element, which everyone is talking about and everyone knows about. I think a lesser known fact when we talk about cases like this 
and you brought this up, is the public relations aspect of this. You know, um, when, 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 and I've seen this in, in criminal cases. Look at the OJ case, just as one example. Um, lawyers tend to hire or at least consult with PR firms. And I do believe that that's kind of taking place with respect to the, the, the Pizzagate, Pedigate, uh, crime, crimes that have been taking place. There is a PR aspect to this that, that, uh, people cannot believe or don't realize exists. That, uh, the perception is being managed and is being managed at professional levels. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that that, if you kind of look at David Brock, he was already kind of managing Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign, using money from wealthy donors to, you know, go go to every place on the Internet, really, chat rooms, uh, message boards, anywhere where people make comments on YouTube and really counteract or contradict any negative thing uh, said about Hillary. And I think that that same event or that same program is being put into place as far as Pedalgate. So all these people are getting intimidated you know, I felt the heat from the West Memphis 3 PR firm. They contradicted everything I said. It was incredible, really, because I had made one comment really late at night, at like midnight, and I woke up the next morning very early, and somebody had already responded to my comment. So I was like, well, that sounds like a PR firm making that. And uh, all kinds of people came out of the woodwork to contradict my work, attack my work, go on to Amazon and give me one star. So, I mean, it was incredible. So I think that that is the new kind of... A program in all these cases, if people have the resources, the money, they will hire skilled PR firms to manipulate the public, and uh, and that was really. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Yeah, are you so? Yeah, and yeah, and I've seen this. And you, we together, you, me, everyone listening to this, especially if you've got a dog in the fight, or if you if you've got a publication, a book, a DVD, whatever you might have, you're exposing uh, the evils. You are going to feel heat like you've never felt before, especially from social networking. And I, want, I was just curious. We got about uh, oh, less than a minute before the bottom of the hour, but but uh, are you feeling that? Well, I, during the West Memphis Three, it was very intense, so intense that I like shut down my blog and I did all the, shut down my website and just walked away. So as far as the PizzaGate is concerned, I haven't been as active, but I definitely have seen that some of these. I've had to kind of swat away some 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 wasps that have come to my YouTube channel, but I, it hasn't been as bad for me. But I've seen it with other people. There are other commentators who have taken serious heat, have been threatened with lawsuits, have been threatened actually by uh, Alephantis himself. I don't know if you know about some of those stories, but Alephantis got on some Facebook chat Facebook chats and in, insulted people. So it's definitely there. I mean, I think that these guys are really tough too because. They won't just try to insult you on social media. They will go after your job um, and really try to disclose yeah, what you're will. doing. Yeah, so that is really nasty. Very, very nasty. They'll have, you know, Twitter shut down your account and, and Facebook censor your, your post. And they are so buddy-buddy with the, the tech giants in this country that uh, they have that kind of reach. Folks, we're talking with William Ramsey, his website, occultinvestigations.com. He will be with us through the next segment, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with William Ramsey right after the break.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? From all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their house by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy New Year! This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com. That's our website. HagmanandHagman.com for the show. Broadcast on three venues. Of course, Blog Talk Radio, BTR, Global Star Satellite Radio. There you can, uh, actually you can go to Hagman Report or Hagman and Hagman and find our archives via Global Star or BTR. And of course, YouTube Live as well. YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as find every day or every week, every, every day check our website. HagmanReport.com. And every week, and if not every day, look at, find the radio, the old-fashioned radio, old-time radio, and check out the guests for the day, the week. Uh, John 
Medical Program Director John Robertson uh, does a tremendous job putting it all out there. Our guest is William Ramsey. He's the author of Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. I can't recommend, I don't think I could, I mean, I could have, that's an amazing, amazing work. Amazing work. Um, he also produced, by the way, and directed two documentaries called Hollywood and Prophet of Evil. Okay, so he's a he's a very talented investigator. I cannot recommend his work enough. Uh, I, I just and we're so lucky and fortunate to have him uh, as well as our guest. Before we get back to Mr. Ramsey, MinutemanStove.com. If you haven't gone there, go to MinutemanStove.com and get yourself a rocket stove. You're going to need it. I'm going to tell you, you're going to need it when the lights go out and you don't have anything to cook with. That's right. The kitchen stove is off or un, you know not working, not functional, or you don't have any more propane in the barbecue or whatever. The, the best, the best device out there for cooking, whether it's camping or for emergencies, is the Minuteman rocket stove. And there are other rocket stoves out there, but Minuteman makes the best. MinutemanStove.com. That's the place to go. It's a uh, it's a 50 caliber ammo can. It's a uh, it, it, it focuses the heat where it needs to go. The outside, meanwhile, stays at a cool 200 degrees. You can pick it up with your hands and not worry about it getting burnt. Uh, you'll notice when you use the proper wood, it creates virtually no smoke and, uh, thereby alleviating any health concerns you might have or Perhaps you don't want to give away your location to others. It's self-contained, seals airtight for travel and storage. It is the only self-contained rocket stove on the market. It's a great product. We use it here at the Hagman and Hagman Studios. That's MinutemanStove.com, MinutemanStove.com. Mr. Ramsey, let's get back to it. Um, where to? Direct us. Tell us what well, you're talking about. Well, I, I think that if you look at the West Memphis Three documentaries, they're very biased. They're actually, I would say, call the term Hollywoodized. So people who saw those documentaries believe that they saw the entire case. I, I think that there was an agenda behind those those three West Memphis Three films. They were called Paradise Lost, and I actually think that other documentaries that have come out more have come out more recently are also biased in the, the sense that I think that Making a Murderer. Um, did not bring into question some of Stephen Avery's uh, predilections or the family's, uh, you know, un- for unfortunate other kind of uh, darker stuff that they were involved in. So I do think that just because it's in a documentary, people need to just make make sure that they see all the facts because sometimes these documentaries don't have all the facts. Man, uh, you got that right. We, we see that with the John Bonet Ramsey documentaries. We see it with the O.J. Simpson documentaries. It seems like this plethora of, of the, the commercial, commercialization of murder. Uh, yes. And, and in, man, in, in, in the West Memphis Three case, and by the way, I did watch, um, prior to your initial appearance, I did watch a couple of documentaries in anticipation of that, and it's, Wow, what they do with respect to presenting the facts. You talk about biased. My goodness. Yeah. It is indeed biased. You're, you're right. They left out tons of stuff in those early documentaries. I mean, there's tons of other facts yeah. and information that talk about his mental history or anything like that. I mean, that's a key point. That was actually when they were trying to argue to not have him go to the death penalty. That was what came out. It's called 
uh, it's called, they call it Exhibit 500 in the case because there's 500 pages of information that the documentary's never covered. Mr. Ramsey, I want to ask you a question. Um, you know, my dad just mentioned the John Benet Ramsey case. And, you know, with these child abductions, sometimes we see cases that are much more high profile than other cases. But is there a reason? I mean, we have, what, how many kids go missing from our country every day? Um, and sometimes the news media will focus on, you know, one of these cases much more so than others um, for months on end. Do, do you think that there's a hidden agenda behind that? Why, why isn't the uh, the issue of missing children... Uh, more, why isn't it covered more widespread and why are certain cases given all the attention in the world and you know, while the majority are left by the wayside? That's a great question. I think that some of the cases of the child abduction that people see or that get Hollywoodized are there because there's some kind of conflict or it's kind of an ideal family where something went wrong whereas you know the run-of-the-mill child abductions don't have that same kind of capacity to be shaped by Hollywood. So I would say that's one of the reasons why you see John Bonet, this kind of pretty young woman or girl or whatever, um, instead of somebody from another family, from a middle class or lower class family. Well, let me ask you this, uh, just to follow up to that. Do you believe that the media or people predetermine which of these cases, or do you think it's, as you were saying, it's based on you know the circumstances around the, the family and um Absolutely. I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely think they're predetermined. If, if the people who are the producers who are making decisions, if the case doesn't fit their bias or their agenda, I think that they'll downplay it or ignore it. Whereas if it's a case that fits in something that they want to talk, you know, that is part of their political agenda, they'll latch onto it like a dog to a bone. So I definitely think they're predetermined. And I think not only are that, they're also some are, you know, uh, given more credence or credibility, even if the facts aren't there. So to just fit that agenda shape. And we see that in in the world of of politics. You get a um, one of the most recent examples was a mosque. There was a shooting in a mosque in Canada, and that got a lot of attention until you know the media found out that it was um, a, a Muslim Moroccan was student. It? Was it or or was it? Wait a minute, I'm still confused. And if over it doesn't that. if it doesn't fit their narrative, you know the, the thing just disappears. And um, if it's something they can push to continue their narrative and their agenda, they will you know go crazy with it to the point of nausea. Uh, and that's okay. sad that you know you have the polit- politicization and the the, the Hollywood uh, culture coming in to determine which cases are important and which aren't. Yeah, I agree. I think it's unfortunate. I remember the story of there was a young gay kid. I think he was from Colorado and something really bad happened to him. And then somebody went back and that this was like a sign of how all homosexuals are, you know, there's homophobia. But then they heard about the, the guy's real story and he was a meth dealer and the, the whole killing was done over a, a drug deal, which they conveniently left out. You ever remember that story? What was his name? Matthew Shepard. Shepard, yes, I think that was. Was it Shepard? Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and somebody that, wrote a book about it. He was, he was actually uh, uh, also a homosexual, but he said that, you know, it wasn't the story that the media shaped it to be. Right. And, and exactly. And, and there's the media management. My goodness. Um, and in the case of, well, bringing it back to the, the case of the uh, pedophilia with respect to and the satanic ritual abuse 
as the vehicle for the crimes against the uh, the children involved in the Pedagate slash Pizzagate scandal. It's a, it's amazing. And before the break, I, I was we you had mentioned too about um, the uh, attacks that, that you got with with your work on the West Memphis Three. But we're seeing across the board this mass censorship, which is just amazing uh, to me with respect to uh, the pedophilia that's going on, the uh, satanic ritual crimes that are taking place that no one wants to talk about. Even Christians, even Christians are are boycotting, self-censoring on this topic when in fact they should be shouting this from the rooftops in my view to expose the deeds of darkness by the people out there, the purveyors of of these crimes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that self-censorship is probably the worst type of censorship, worse than the government censorship, because then you just let that story die, whether you're too afraid to talk about it, whether it doesn't fit into your happy-go-lucky Christian outlook, because, and I think it's, I think I'm disappointed by a lot of the really high-level, maybe the Joel Osteens out there that don't talk about this at all. So um, I do think that you know the, the the you know the prevailing political parties or political guys who are in the media they definitely don't want to talk about you know satanic ritual abuse pedophilia um, or anything like that and I think that that is really unfortunate because it is happening and I think that the whole pedo gate story is just an incredibly important story because it involved so many powerful people and they're all kind of interwoven and connected. And uh, those people refuse to shine a light on it. So I think that that is a real disservice to the country and to the people who are being abused. I'm sure there's people in that whole network who are being abused, but they never are able to come forward because nobody's going to tell their story, you know? That's and, right. Uh, yeah. And if we can kind of switch gears here, um, and you just, we were just explaining that, it brought something to mind with, uh, you know, these new... Um, this Vault 7, the CIA, uh, cyber spying, uh, and cyber warfare that's been going on that, you know, we've seen stories about, we've known that, you know, they can remotely turn your phone on and listen to you, listen to you through your TVs and your smart thermostats and any other device that's connected to the internet. Um, kind of a left field question here, Mr. Ramsey. How much of these tools do you think that these, uh, these people who are involved in, in this satanic stuff, do you think that they have the abilities or this technology is shared with people for their uh, to be able to, to pull off some of the things that they do and, and get around investigations and, and things like that? Or do you think that this is more uh, an intelligence tool used by people inside uh, intelligence services uh, for the purposes, whether illegal or illegal, wiretapping? Well, that's an excellent question, and it's uh, a subject of great concern because if uh, political people are using these tools for political ends as if Trump, who is more than likely telling the truth about himself being bugged by the Obama administration, then we're in, in a new level of, you know, depth really about how, how our political system really functions. If people can use this stuff politically, um, you know, I think that it's a great concern. And I do think that these systems are, you know, I think that Trump is probably telling the truth and Bannon is saying the same thing on his Facebook page even today, that he has all the information, he just can't disclose it because he would put people at risk. So um, then uh, that means that nobody's safe. If they can bug a presidential candidate and uh, get away with it, 
I think that, I mean, we're in, we're past 1984. We're in like some really crazy dystopia. You're exactly right. And the fact that no one is safe, boy, that is true. If people really understood the, um, what's taking place and, and you're right. It's, uh, and I'm sure you've come across this. People, in your investigations, people come to you and they can't disclose certain things or they can't, you can't disclose what they've told you or you can't, dis- I mean, there's a lot of, I don't want to say the word, in- well, I'll just say intrigue that yes. takes place and people don't quite understand. I don't think people really understand how serious this is. And when somebody says, look, I can't tell you, I can't reveal the sources. I mean, pe- people don't, sometimes people discount the information. Um, if you don't name the source, it, it kind of like, you know, hey, no pictures, it didn't happen. Well, come on, man. You know. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you, you have to establish the credibility of the person and whether it's believable, I guess. But I get stuff. I'm sure you do too. People send you information on subjects you talked about. I get people who hear me talking about the West Memphis 3 send me great information, you know, things that I missed or something like that. So, I definitely have sources that I would never divulge, and uh, but they're legit. I mean, I think that um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how this, this at least for in the example of Trump, Trump being bugged, how that plays out over time, and whether somebody leaks something to WikiLeaks or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I said in a recent interview, I think we're really living in kind of a spy novel. All the all the citizens of the country, really, because. You're being spied on. I mean, imagine that everything you've ever done, you're entering a state where everything you've ever done online, all of your financial transactions, possibly things that you've said in your own house if they're recording your TV, can be compiled and put in a dossier. So every 300 million Americans will have an accessible dossier that God knows, you know, what people can do. Way beyond, I mean, I remember the FBI files, how those were distributed through the Clinton administration and how big of a hubbub that was. Imagine a file that's broader than an FBI file on you, your kids, your future. I mean, it's incredible that uh, people who aren't necessarily responsible with uh, that information, what if they get access to that? Yeah, absolutely. It's It's a very dangerous scenario. And we know, you know, I saw a clip of Carl Rove today saying that, oh, you know, they've never spied on an American citizen, <laughs> even even though we know just in, in in a number of cases that came right from the White House that they have spied on American citizens. Um, you know, I guess you could say legally with warrants, with subpoenas, with issues coming from the Justice Department, but it's all the the ability to illegally and spy on American citizens and gather their information. And I think that happens a lot more. I mean, what do you think these people at the NSA do? Edward Snowden, what, back in 2013, talked about how he could wiretap anybody he wanted to from his desk, from, I think he said, you to, you know, um, anybody he knows to the President of the United States. And that was years ago, and, and all this, you know, information is coming out to verify that what he said and what many other researchers have talked about uh, is true, even to the extent that they can uh, use technology to hack into cars to remote control them Michael, be used for purposes anyone? of assassinations. Uh, it is and very concerning. Michael Hastings. What was that? Yeah, yeah. Bring, uh, Michael Hastings, yeah. The death of Michael Hastings. About that? I, I mean, Murder. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. The engine block 
got removed from the car prior to it coming to rest on the palm tree. I drive by that spot all the time, Melrose and Highland, and uh, there's just no way. The, the, the engine block came out of the car, and the people who lived nearby said their house shook. It sounded like a bomb. No car act, you know, accident has the force to really, well, to sound like a bomb, really. And there was fire there. It was, I mean, it was an incredible event. And I think that he was really rattling kind of people at the top stage, people in the military and intelligence community, not, you know, very dangerous people with a lot of dangerous skills. So for me, looking at the Hastings thing, murder. Absolutely. And we're talking with William Ramsey. He's the author. He just fantastic works. Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Children of the Beast, Alistair Crowley's Shadow over Humanity, and Prophets, or Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. Um, I don't want to do this to you necessarily. What's your favorite work out of those three? Well, that's a good question. I think that um, I really think that Abomination was really more the most relevant in the sense that you know I'm writing a history about Crowley or people he's influenced, but I think that the whole West Memphis Three case really was a, an insight not only into a criminal case but how information can be shaped, used to manipulate people, and how uh, kind of the instinct for people to really follow the you know like. Uh, like Joe said, the, the celebrity culture is to follow this kind of styly person like Johnny Depp. And, uh, for, so for me, Abomination was really a very timely modern book that, I mean, for me, showed that also that the occult really does influence events and influ- and people are influ- You know, one of the things that I found out while I was studying that book was that Damien Eccles is a member or was around early nineties of the OTO, Crowley's Secret Society. And I think that that book, even though there's no overt proofs of that, but I do believe that the release of the West Memphis is tied to secret societies and secret agreements, and and uh, so so for me, uh, abomination is yeah. Okay. I mean that was, and, and, um, and, uh, oh. There are tattoos. There are very telling tattoos about Damien Eccles that are tied to other satanic cults, particularly the back tattoo that he has. Um, you can look it up online. That is the seven-tiered black sun tattoo. Um, and I couldn't publish it in my book because of the copyright issues. But, um, they were always threatening to sue me. I can send you some of the emails that, you know, I had to, they were going to sue me for months. Oh, oh that, that's an interesting club that we're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. You know, it, wow. Okay. And I think that that's why a lot of other people didn't investigate is because they got intimidated, you know. And for a while, when my book first came out, it was on the um, Supreme Court of Arkansas's website. It just sat there for a year, read this book. So somebody at the Supreme Court or the website thought it was a, you know, book enough enough to be important to put on their their site. Okay, um, about the West Memphis Three, because the, 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 in folks, I would recommend this, trust me, I'd recommend this book because it, it's relevant today. The, even though the murders happened, I think, what, 1993? Um, from memory? 1993. Okay, alright. Um, it's relevant to today, the facts are relevant to today, but let me ask this question. 
that involves something we, talk, we spoke about earlier. When you've got celebrities that are coming to the defense of uh, killers, satanic killers, like like the three um, uh, perpetrators of, of the children, um, is that a result of the PR campaign, or is that part of the PR campaign? I think there is a difference there and an important distinction, perhaps. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that in the case of the West Memphis Three, the kind of pad, the way that it became influenced in the public mind is that these documentaries came out that were biased, then the celebrities got involved, and then the money got raised, and then the PR was acquired. So, so the documentaries and the celebrities came on board before anything. And then, I think that these people, the celebrities were sophisticated or had sophisticated friends and knew the right attorneys, really sub, I mean, top-notch attorneys and top-notch PR people to get and to pay for. So, um, now, but that, that sophisticated PR campaign was really, I think, the, the lever that was put at the fulcrum and, and really shifted the case and to get them released was the, was the potency of the relations, yeah. Interesting. And I think it's, it's important to, to really understand that. And this is what we're seeing today too. Uh, a huge PR campaign and the public opinion is being managed. We as citizens, if we allow ourselves, we're being programmed, we're being told what to think, how to think, and uh, programs like this hopefully uh, will break you of that spell. Well, we got about three minutes left of your time here. This time went so quickly. And you are a talented writer, I've got to say that, uh, a great investigator and researcher. Thanks. you got the floor. Next three minutes. Anything anything that... Uh, Anything you want? It's open for open for discussion. Well, I just would uh, just caution your listeners to be careful. I do believe that there are a serial killer or killers preying on young men. Just because you're a younger man doesn't mean you can't be drugged. I mean, women are very uh, aware of the drugging problem or the roofie problem, but men can be um, drugged. There was actually an abduction that almost took place in Pittsburgh of a man who got away, was uh, like an Uber driver or something like that. So it is dangerous out there late at night, and uh, some people have lost their lives because they they let their guard down. So, um, And I'm following these cases a lot, um, and if people want to kind of see some of the researchers, they can check out uh, a, a Twitter or Facebook page called Smiley Face Killers America and kind of see that this pattern is happening over and over again. So uh, I just want to wow. get that warning out to to your listeners and their families and friends. And I do believe, and I think you make the case for this in your work, but I believe this to be true. Uh, I think we're seeing a a rise in the satanic killings that are taking place. I think that there's a there's obviously thrill killings or spree killings uh, for thrill, or but I, I, the, the satanic component here that you write about, the Aleister Crowley. Background backdrop. I believe it's it's becoming more and more per- pervasive in today's criminal world. Um, I really do. And well, it's an excellent point because they had those satanic killings of the MS13 guys down in Texas, and I do believe what's happening that Dakota James is associated with has a satanic component to it. Wow. Okay. 
I can't yeah. disclose it in totality, but I just I'm I'm aware that I I believe in my conclusions with all my research that something like that has happened. Incredible! It, 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 wow. Yeah, I'm not gonna. We we'll we'll leave it. <laughs> I, I know how these things go. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it's just that I think that these there are people that are in communication with each other associated with these cases. They're not happening individually. I think that there there's something under the surface. Subrosa is happening. Well stated. William Ramsey, thank you so much for your gift of time. Really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure when you come on. Your works are second to none in my view. Fantastic. Uh, all three, fantastic. Your multimedia uh, presentation, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming on, and please uh, keep us informed as to your findings. Will do. So thank you very much, Doug and Joe. I really appreciate it. It's always great to uh, talk to you. All right, man. So it's always great to have you, folks. That was William Ramsey. What a what a talented man. You know, boy, being an investigator in that realm and, and writing about it in that realm takes a level of talent. And you know, I think I think when I wrote my book, Stained by Blood, shameless plug now. Um, it, it wow, it just takes it takes some stuff out of you, and. and uh, man, I, I I don't know. It just it really it's like birthing a child. I think at some at some in some level. Although I've never <laughs> I haven't I've got the, <laughs> how do I would I know right, <laughs> folks? Uh, stay with us. Up next, Stan Dale. You're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. Don't forget check the show notes. Look for the old time radio HagmanReport.com. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In Three Days in the Belly of the Beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. Thank everyone for joining us. The Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com. HagmanandHagman.com. Two primary websites. The latter, of course, you can watch the show. And, of course, all of the venues are off HagmanandHagman.com. You can get them off HagmanandHagman.com. HagmanReport.com. Go there for the latest news information analysis. And also, John is going to whoop me if I don't, if I don't say this again. You, you, you got to look for that old fashioned radio. That's right. We pick a new one. He picks a new one every week. I actually, I think I own one of those. Anyway, um, therefore, the show descriptions, guest lineup for the week. Um, I want to thank John for all of the hard work that he has done. He's uh, a blessing to our, just a blessing. As is Eric the Tech and everyone else, and including Stan Dale. Wow, a blessing, Stan and Holly Dale. They're a blessing to our show as well, Stan, every Tuesday. And um, kind of laying things out, whether it's politics or earth changes or whatever. Before we get to Stan, I just want to mention greenevative.com. You've got just, what, just a number, just only like seven days, a week from today, to take advantage of their 14% off discount of your entire purchase. All right. So, well, actually, it's until the 15th of, the, of March, the odds of March. But, um, uh, I, look, I had a wrestle with Alan. I mean, we, we sumoed. Okay. They have just this great array of, uh, saltwater battery chargers, greenovative.com. This is this is the neatest device I've ever seen. I'm, I, I, every time I every time I use it, I just I marvel at this battery recharger. They use the salt and water to recharge your rechargeable batteries. But folks, take advantage of this order today, fourteen percent off your entire purchase by Alan Riggs. He's been so gracious to offer this to extend this to the fifteenth of March. 
GMAG complete. It was crafted especially for you, the listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report and the viewers by the good folks at Green Innovative. So take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime special, 14% off through the 15th of March. Go to greenovative.com, greenovative.com, or go to hagmanreport.com. Click on the link to Green Innovative, and make sure you tell them to get the discount that uh, you heard you heard about him on the Hagman and Hagman Report. And one of these days, I think Eric might uh, catch me playing with, with this battery charger, probably, or Jackie or somebody, because that's, I just can't. It's really neat. Coming up now, we have Mr. Standeo. He joins us each and every Tuesday in our number three. Folks, go to standeo.com and bookmark the website. They have um, constant updates on news content, as well as their photo of the day and, and video of the day and much more, as well as the show images page. Hey, by the way, after last week, I will never miss the photo and video of the day again. Did you see the photo of the day today? No, I missed it. <laughs> it's a It's a picture of Obama burning the Constitution pretty good hey stan welcome back to the show good to be here again we've made it through another week guys yeah yeah we have <laughs> are you sure oh, my, let my us week, check your week oh man yeah what, what you what you thinking about i mean wow what, what a week uh news wise and everything it's i know i know man. i'm just looking at the news ollie put up on the website today Wow, you know, the world is absolutely uh, lacking security for everyone and lacking peace for everyone. So I'm reminded of the biblical um, warning that when they cry peace and safety is sudden destruction upon them. And I don't know whether that means, ah, we've got peace and safety and then they're surprised or whether they cry out, we need peace and safety and it doesn't do any good. They, the, the world you know, blows apart. I mean, just war uh, springs out everywhere or something. Yeah. Look over in England. The analysis on that. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Well, over in England, I mean, the House of Lords, you know, they're, they're, they've put the second motion to defeat Brexit there, which, of course, Brexit's already been approved, but um, Holly and I were talking about that earlier. It just seems like they're doing the, the, the left wing over there, uh, the, the fifth columnist, the silent communist, uh, silent one-worlders, or whatever you want to call them, are doing the same as they are over here, setting up tremendous opposition to the elected government and to the bills that have been passed, you know, in both countries uh, legally uh, for, for various issues. But how can we govern with this chaos, you know, running amok here in our countries? Uh, it's just astounding. You know, uh, after looking at your headlines today, and uh, again, Holly must have been up at, uh, my goodness, middle of the night posting. But yep. uh, yeah, it's I, I question that as well. How long can this be, this status quo be sustained, or or this level of chaos be sustained? I, I submit, not long. And I, I was telling us uh, Eric and uh, Joe before I, or as I came into the studio today, that uh, I fear for the safety of Donald Trump. I really do. I, I, oh yes, I know the poor man. Well, not only do we fear that, we pray for him at least twice a day uh, for him and his family, and for Vice President Pence and his family, and for the the team that uh, the uh, Trump Pence administration put together. You know, the ones they've gotten that they wanted, and their families. We we pray for the Lord's protection on them because it, it doesn't take an idiot to see, uh, you know, or genius anyway. Sorry to see what the left is trying to do to the administration. They are blocking it at every turn that they can, and they are putting out movies and, you know, comedies and things. 
encouraging the any left wing nuts out there that want to take take a crack at the administration, you know, or the president, you know, to figure out ways to do it. And it, I just, you know, we never did that. I didn't like Obama. I didn't like his policies, his administration. But I never got out there and you know picketed or said, "All right, let's down with the president" and that kind of stuff. Just, you know, I hope we can last through his administration and get a replacement, which did happen. But right. they're just yeah. they're, they're stirring up civil war everywhere. I, I agree, and I think that that's their intent. I, I, I really believe their intent is to create a shooting war here in the United States, divide us and conquer us. And I think, you know what, I think Obama, I mean, Lynch, put, putting out that, that video, uh, I, I just i have never seen anything like this. I don't know, Stan. I think, yeah, I think if, you, if you don't mind, I'm going to, uh, me and my dog, come on. You and I could take a hike up in the woods or something up in the mountains of Colorado. I'm about ready for that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? I was just saying to Holly oh, today, yeah. <laughs> we were out uh, driving to get something at the store, and I said, you know, yeah, we haven't gone up in the mountains and walked around with the dogs in the, you know, the peaceful days in a long time. We ought to go do that, but just get out of it for a while. Yeah, it's definitely getting crazy. The media continues to, you know, spread the, the hate, the message of hate, and provoking people's emotions with lies and and deception and it is getting out of hand uh definitely uh i don't know where you want to where you want to start tonight stan i was just looking at the i saw some images or some things on your show images page uh, well the i was looking at these uh before you came on before i saw this i was looking at the the caverns the knights templar caverns right um that's pretty that's a pretty fascinating story it is, and they think that what they're seven hundred years old. And as legends go, the Knights Templar, of course, uh, were sent by the Vatican, uh, you know, to go fight the holy wars over in the Middle East, you know. And uh, they were just, you know, average wealth type knights, not not super rich or anything. But when they came back uh, after spending time in the uh, in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, which they occupied. They came back and suddenly they started uh, into international banking and had lots of cash to lend to people. And so the rumor was that they'd found Solomon's treasure somewhere down in there. And then time passed and all the the knights were assassinated on a single day um, by a um, the, the king of the country they were in there. I think it was France. But anyway, they um, they were wiped out. And you got to wonder if the treasures that they had remaining in their banking, uh, you know, deposits wherever they held, held them, whether it was in these kind of caverns or what, were then confiscated by either the throne of that country or the throne and the Vatican. Um, that that led to you know current books and things saying that well the Templars disappeared, but uh, did they disappear completely? Did they go into the Freemasons or did they go into the Jesuit order? You, you don't know. So yeah, those yeah. those pictures in that article quite interesting. What I find interesting is the, um, and I guess you can't really tell from the pictures, but the entrances to the cave, and if these are entrances, uh, these holes are, are these holes how the cave were were accessed or? Um, um, the holes that you see in the, the above ground shots, I think the majority of those are just rabbit holes that have fallen in, but the one in image seventeen shows one of the the uh, entrances which is like sideways you're know, going vertical opening rather than 
wobbling like a rabbit would make. Um, they, they did cover this up in 2012, as you read in the articles. Um, and the reason was because there were a lot of idiots practicing witchcraft that were going down in there and torturing people and doing satanic rituals inside this. Uh, and so the owners of the property had enough, and they closed it all off. So did they uh, remove, say, a big rock that you you can kind of see up here that could have been part of the, the structure, uh, or a piece of log that might have hidden that entrance? If you look in the upper left-hand corner, you can see what I'm talking about. It's a tree, either a tree limb or a piece of wood that's grown little limbs on it that might have been down there to cover that entrance. Um it looks pretty clean inside, and apparently, you know, locals have been in it for years. So we don't see anything other than inscriptions that were left scrolled on the odd wall by the, the Templars. I think looking at it, there were a lot of, like, alcoves. You can see the, the candlelit uh, things or whatever lighting source that is in these alcoves, and there were a lot of those, as though they had set up some of them to store certain artifacts, like maybe they had the Ark of the Covenant. I, I doubt it, but maybe they did. And, you know, the, the uh, treasures of the temple, they may have had those as well, you know. Uh, uh, they were made to, to go into the Holy of Holies place and stuff like that. But I don't know. It, uh, it's a mystery that, uh, you know, kind of disappeared in, in the clouds of history since then. And mm. uh, if, if we need to have the Ark of the Covenant back when the Messiah comes, I'm sure he'll lift a finger and suddenly it'll appear there, wherever he is there in Jerusalem. Um, but yeah, great mystery here. Wow. Great mystery. Yeah, power these show. images are, yeah. F- folks, go to uh, standale.com, standale.com, and check the show images page. Always, always. Uh, wow. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. I wonder what else is out there like that that hasn't been discovered or is being kept hidden. Um What's that TV show on? I think it's on the History Channel. Uh, some Oak Island. Uh, oh yeah, the Curse that of one, Oak Island. Yeah. And I never, yeah. I've, I've watched one episode of that. I think. Um, but you know, there's there's these places around the globe that have this, uh, you know, these historical. Um, they're in these historical contexts that, and it seems like a lot of them, um, you know, are off limits, put off limits by governments. Whether it's it was a Mount Ararat in Turkey where they think Noah's Ark was, to I mean. The, a lot of these places are shut down, you know, to the to the general population. Um, so I well, wonder, you know, if we'll ever get know, some of these things. But. but but looking at these images, if I can ask you, Stan, how 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 were these constructed? I mean, not how. I, well, yeah, how were they constructed? These. You know, I, I wondered that too. Uh, you can see it's some of the images that you look at in the article. Um, you know, like um, strata. In, in what they carved right. through, but it looked like it could have been just compressed sedimentary deposits rather than hard granite stones. So they may have just gone in there and you know chiseled out where the the stuff that they took out went. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I did wonder about the same thing. How did they get in there and do that? It's not as you know finely polished as Egyptian stuff, you know, in the pyramids and, and uh, various burial chambers, but. They did spend time doing it, and it would have taken quite a while, even carving out of this mud, this baked right. sediment here. If you, if you look over at the overburden, it's like dirt in a field with grass and trees growing over the top of it. So I don't know what this material is, but I do think it's probably compressed dirt of some sort. 
that makes sense. It would make it easier, but still, it's a marvel. Uh, well, to me, anyway, of engineering. Uh, and they would have had to light it probably with torches or candles, right. and that you know the um, the fumes from that would have to get out someplace. Otherwise, they'd kill themselves there if they slept there. And it, there were a number of things in one of the pictures on the left side that looked like cubicles, where each night would have that would have been his his room while they were there. Uh, just to the guess, and then there was another one that had something like a like a, a sink of stone or the, the, the material they carved out of it coming out of the wall with a um, like some kind of a, a symbol carved above it. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what the heck that what would have been there in that that place. You know, it would have been something very, you know, holy. You know, uh, and if you look at, um, I think the first of the fifteen images they got on their website, these big images. You see the doorways are smooth, you know, rolled smooth arches, and uh, the inner arches have holes dug in them at regular intervals, uh, like pits. And you got to wonder what that symbolized. It's just uh, a number of mysterious things uh, about how they organized it and uh, what they stored there, what they looked at, what they worshipped there. Um, or was it just a banking storehouse and until they could transfer their money, you know, into Europe to become the bankers of the world at the time. Interesting. Anyway, it's one of those mysteries, as you say, that maybe someday the good Lord will explain if it's necessary, but otherwise we'll never know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can really get get, get uh, drawn into this. Hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah, you can. All right. Okay. All right. You've got some other issues. There are other uh, things up here about issues. Uh, yeah. The, uh, um, one thing, in image 15, read about the permafrost thaw intensifying. Um, I had never, you know, really dug into it except with Steve Quayle a few years back when we were talking about the methane hydrates in the seabed, you know, getting warm and releasing the methane gas from the seabed. But here we've got this permafrost, you know, the tundra there in northern Canada, right up close to Greenland, uh, and an area roughly 52,000 square miles that is um, permafrost uh, thawing out and decaying. And, of course, the bacteria and things in, in there are producing methane gas, which, you know, they estimate the amount of gas in this uh, permafrost field they're talking about has about two times the amount of, of methane that's in the atmosphere right now stored in it and if you if you look at that all coming into uh, vapor you're going to have three times the methane gas in the atmosphere that we have now which certainly as a uh, uh, an environmental thing is not pleasant um, it doesn't mean that it's due to human activity it's as I've said to you many times or to your listeners the the planets of the entire solar system are heating up if the sun is the, the villain here not you know, gal gas or cars, you know, exhaust and stuff like that. It's really a a, a a change in the solar climate that is doing it to all of us, all of our planets. But it is a, a clear and present danger. I mean, when you look at that uh, that area, it's like taking an area over 200 miles on the side, and that's that's got all the bound up. Um, you know, permafrost, at least that's what they found, that's starting to release the methane gas. You can see in the photo I've got there, uh, you can click on the photo and uh, just see 
glass that are forming as the permafrost, you know, defrosts. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. interesting. I, it's we're seeing changes here that there are so many variables in our whole environment at the moment that you got to wonder what's going to get us first, or are they all going to come together and surprise us? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it seems yeah. the uh, the internal threats scare me more than the uh, the natural disaster threats that we have. Uh, all the stuff that's been going on. But, well, short you know, term, yes, some... but but long term, you know, uh, Joe, the, the the change in the environment, planet wide, is going to affect crop and food production, and people when they get hungry get aggro. So, in the long term, say in the next ten years, this could be a real issue in uh, fomenting war between nations on a large scale just for food resources. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Food is a weapon, or food can certainly be, it has been used as a weapon, but the lack of food and then compounding that with. Well, water is becoming, you know, fresh water is becoming more scarce, um, and food both. I mean, they're they're two of the prime things that a human needs to survive. And through history, loss of water, loss of food have been major factors in in wars, trying to get resources to survive. So, yes, it's a a, a real consideration. Uh, Look at um, image, uh, where are we here, image 12. Read about the new fault uh, off California coast, and that it could produce a possible 7.3 Richter earthquake. Now, this is from the um, Scripps Institute of Oceanography there in California, and the fault they're talking about is just off the coastline of San Diego, and they've been using one of their many sea vessels, research vessels, to drag a large array behind the boat. You can see it in the picture on their website when you go there. It's a hydrophone array. And with that, the image in great detail, these fault lines and the structures off the coast there of California. Um, with these, this new one that could rupture, um, they say it could produce a 7.4 Richter in the southern onshore portion if it releases as well as the, the offshore segments of it, and it's broken into segments. Now, if that occurs there in San Diego, that's certainly down and away from the San Andreas up near California and over near the Salton Sea, but it could shake up enough. But that kind of a, of a shake could trigger the San Andreas and its links going all the way up into uh, Oregon on the coast and uh, possibly into the Juan de Fuca plate, which would then release a Richter 9 plus, which would then cause tidal waves, which could then cause tsunamis, which would then perhaps see the development of the breakup of the West Coast and multiple volcanoes going off all the way down to Mexico City. That's kind of, you know, an extension of what I'm reading in this article. Talk about Cal Exit, huh? Yeah. Wow. Now, is this <laughs> you the, know the uh, script? Is it, sorry. No, I just want to ask, is this fault line, uh, the, I'm reading here, uh, does this go all the way up the coast, or is this more towards uh, Southern California? Click on the picture of, of image 12, not the article down below. Click on the picture, and you can see that it's part of uh, the Rose Canyon, Newport, Inglewood combined fault zone. And I think from looking at it, um, you're seeing it's in that little, from Newport yeah. Beach down to La, La Jolla. That area, I think, is what it affects. And um, it would also 
you know, probably affect some of the inland fault lines. If you look at the fault line maps of California, there are so many faults there uh, that they've mapped that you don't know which of them are going to interlock when it uh, and release together when this one or others do trigger. But that is that is more in southern, uh, you know, California there. So okay. In fact, if you look at the image, you'll see in the upper left hand corner a blue line, which is not the 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 Rose Canyon fault zone, but you'll see a blue line going up and called the Palos Verdes fault. Right. The the short blue line. There. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull that up on the. Uh, I'll just grab mm-hmm. another image here from the um, USGS and see what we can look at here. I'll zoom yeah, down into it. Up. If you're watching this on YouTube, of course, it's on. it was on our screen. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's, uh, it's obviously sad. it's off the coast. Yeah, wow. <laughs> sad. sad it is. I'm going down now then to look at, uh, I missed it. Where is it? I want the U.S. California coastline. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll take a terrain map. I'm just going at San Diego. Yeah, it looks to me like uh, that that Rose uh, uh, the, the the Rose Creek thing, whatever that's called, that fault line, the Rose Canyon fault line. It's in a little kind of carved out crescent shape in the coastline, and San Diego is on the southern tip of it, and Los Angeles is in inland up. You know, probably um, uh, 20 miles or so up from the top edge of that arc. But when you look at the fault lines and things, um, the um, the San Andreas fault could be triggered by this. It, I can see the focus of it going through between San Diego and Los Angeles and hitting the southern end of the San Andreas fault, which has all kinds of other parallel faults to it. In essence, it's just what they're saying is they've found another possible trigger for one or more large serious earthquakes along the west coast particularly down in California and so I'm just uh, uh, putting up uh, I'm just grabbing something here uh, in California the other fault lines I'm doing a zoom down here now then to see where that Rose Canyon might hit uh, there's San Francisco. I'm up too far. San Diego. Yeah, look, there are hundreds of little miniature faults that run basically parallel to the San Andreas. And, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm looking at the Elsinore fault line, uh, and that runs parallel to the, the Crescent where we're talking about the Rose Canyon, but it's inland. And that, uh, kind of, sort of, ties into a fault down into Mexico, down in, into the Baja region. Uh, if you go on to USGS and look at their you know, their, their earthquake maps that I, I normally get to put up on the weekly shows, you'll see that they, they, um, they have the option for you to click on showing plate boundaries, tectonic plate boundaries, U.S. faults, and U.S. hazard zones for earthquakes. And you can zoom right down in and see what I'm talking about here and it will astound you. <laughs> it will worry right. you. We'll check that out. Stan, we're coming up against our our break. Uh, folks, you're listening to Stan Deo on this edition of the Hagman Report. Go to com 
and bookmark that site. Check it daily, because each and every day, uh, Stan and Holly update the website. And then there is the show images feature. When Stan comes our, on our show, you can follow along with the graphics and research that he has put together on the show images page each and every Tuesday night from 9 to 10 p.m. We'll be right back with Stan after these short messages. Stay with us. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? New Year from all of us at Training Post in the Woods. We pray you have a healthy, safe, and prosperous 2017. And we would like to thank all of you for welcoming us to the Hagman and Hagman family. You're all a very wonderful and special group of people. Because we believe it is so important for you to work and acquire good health this year, we're going to do something that we've never done before as a thank you to you for your support. We're going to make something available that we believe everyone needs. During the month of January, anyone who invests in their health by purchasing either our American Heritage Remedies Kit, our Survivalist Natural Remedies Kit, or $200 in individual remedies of your choice, we're going to give to you our crisis remedy just in case for free. Your health must be a part of your preparation plan. We're here to help you with that journey. May God bless y'all, and may God bless America. Happy Happy New Year! Year. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. To our final segment on this edition of the Hagman Report, Stan Deo is our guest. Stan joins us each and every Tuesday, and we talk about 
a whole bunch of things from what's going on in current events to news, politics, to the economy, to earth changes from earthquakes to crazy weather and prophecy, scripture, and everything in between. Um, anywhere special you want to start this segment, Stan? Yeah, I want to continue with the earth, uh, you know, with the um, earth changes that are occurring. Um, there's an article that I've put up uh, a link to it at Image 10 uh, entitled Volcanoes Could Erupt Much More Thanks to Climate Change. Now, that, that climate change, again, I stress that is not based on cow gas or, you know, more human consumption, that kind of stuff. That That does have a a minute effect on the overall picture of what's causing the planet to heat up. But when you go to this article on the BBC about that, uh, let me just see if they're going to let us see that here. Uh, yeah, there's a video. And you get on that video, and it's uh, showing that uh, the, like Iceland up in that area there, that the the ice caps are melting over the top of the ground above these magma pockets that are along the fissure that, that divides Iceland in half. It's part of the North Atlantic fissure, or tectonic border, if you want to call it, but it's actually like a, an upwelling, a ridge that forms there as the continents separate. And because the ice on top there has been heavy enough, it's held the pressure like a lid on a bunch, not just one, but a bunch of these magma pockets, which is you know right under the surface. And when the pressure is released enough on the top of these, the pressure that's in there will blow a hole out up to the surface, and that's a volcano. So just by the ice melting and taking the weight off of these, they're saying, okay, we could see an increase in volcano eruptions there in Iceland. Now, that's in the cold countries. However, if you look at other places, the, the uh, increase in like the, the volcanoes can be due to um, evaporation of water. A case in point, in fact, I'll be doing a show with a, a radio crowd down in New Zealand here in the next couple of weeks about Lake Taupo uh, on the North Island there. I've talked about it a number of times and been shown dream visions of it, and Holly and I have even visited it and walked on the shores with the steam coming up around our shoes. That area there, the Lake Taupo caldera, is as big as Yellowstone. And on the edge of this caldera, which is filled with water now, um, there are two or three other volcanoes like Ruapeo and Narahoy and things like that. And Ruapeo, you know, erupts from time to time. But I, we visited with the equivalent of the USGS down there called the, the uh, GNS, the Geological Nuclear Survey there. And um, when we visited them in 96, 97, that time there, uh, they didn't have enough money at the GNS to put sensors that they need in the riverbeds and in the uh, the uh, Lake Taupo to monitor the temperature at the bottom of the lake um, and uh, events that were forming and putting up, you know, bubbling steam from the magma pool underneath it. Now, what's driving that is the twisting and and sliding of the plates that come right down through North Island and off to the uh, east side of the South Island. And it's just absolutely, because of the, the number of factors involved underneath there in the seabed, it's sliding and twisting around both islands. And this is over a very thin part of the mantle of the Earth where the magma pools are in great number there. And they know that at some point in time, New Zealand runs the risk of a massive volcanic eruption and attendant earthquakes that will happen around the same time. Um, now, the GNS, uh, I went down there 
situation that the entire uh, caldera of Lake Taupo was going to collapse and the water that's in the lake was going to fall down into the the hot magma beneath and make this steam eruption that would just blow half of the, the island away. Um, so that uh, I was doing that on a, a phone link to Art Bell in the States. Well, the next day I was asked by the New Zealand Department of Tourism to never come back to, to New Zealand because it was hurting tourists and talk about the, the potential of that. But other people, you know, Christians and Maori Indians started revealing their dream visions and of the of the Taupo uh, caldera erupting. And that's, you know, that's when we have to watch the increase in heat in the planet and the redistribution of water that uh, normally would fill that lake. So at least they've got the equipment down there now. Then since our visit, they were they were granted a huge budget by the uh, by the uh, government of New Zealand to buy uh, the instrumentation, put it in place, uh, hire staff to monitor it, and also to hire a German submarine to go down to the bottom of Lake Taupo and film, you know, record all the areas that were potential indicators of an eruption coming. So at least some people may be saved by an early warning from that. I, I would hope so. But it is coming. Uh, they know it, and, and I know it, and a lot of the other folks that are uh, have been given dream visions know it. Um, anyway, I, I digress, but that was on what was happening there in addition to what's happening in Iceland. And with the California fault line, we're just talking about before the break, the fault lines um, are just you know kind of west of where the magma pool is, where the, the Pacific plate dives down underneath the North American plate. And that's inland a bit, and you'll see up in uh, Washington State and Oregon and Northern California, the Cascadia subduction zone, they call it, that's inland a bit. And that is in control of what could be volcanoes. And I have had a dream vision of that, which uh, Holly put up in the dream vision section of our website here at the top of the page in those little gold rectangles. And you can read about that. And that showed me that there were somewhere between six and eight volcanoes that were going to erupt simultaneously from uh, up in Washington State all the way down to Popocatépetl in Mexico City at one time when the when the plate, the edge of the, the, the American continental plate starts to break apart. And so when is that going to happen? I don't know, but that, that's the lay of the land with that. Wow. <laughs> well, okay, so no shortage of of locations, I suppose, um, whether whether it be down under or on the coast, the west coast, uh, everywhere. Let's look at, yeah, let's look at image thirteen with earthquakes globally. You know the weekly seven day summary, and you can see that there's a, an interesting little pattern of mm, about Richter fives that's occurring over in the Mediterranean, uh, right along the tectonic plate border. Um, going from where Turkey joins to Syria through the Mediterranean over toward um, Sardinia, I think it is, uh, up into Italy and across, uh, no, it's not Sardinia, it's just in the middle of the ocean there uh, near the the, uh, Aegean, I think, anyway. And then there's another one over in Libya. And these have all happened in the last seven days, indicating to me that that portion of the uh, the seismic possibilities along the tectonic plate borders is becoming active now. So pressure is shifting over that way. And we, we're seeing here all the, the normal stuff at the Aleutians, you know, from Alaska, around Japan, um, Indonesia, you know, Jakarta, those places, and New Zealand. We're seeing all those with Richter 6, you know, plus 
plus earthquakes in the last seven days. Um, a point I've made before on the show, but it was a while back, is that the large footprints that I've found in the ocean beds and in and on land in China and partially online in uh, oh, um, Chile and Peru are made by large asteroids, huge asteroids. I'm talking asteroids that hit the Earth so hard that one of them caused the Great Flood and uh, broke up the continents from Pangaea into the nations we have, or continents we have now. Well, I'm seeing the one up north of, of um, Australia in this image, it has a cluster of earthquakes around it, which it normally does, around the rim that was left by the great Kudapa asteroid that caused the flood. And I look down at uh, the tip of South America, the, the bottom tip of that's Argentina, and if you look to the right of it, you'll see a red outline that looks kind of like a, I don't know, uh, a hot dog or something. It's kind of an arc in the seabed. And at the right end of it, you'll see it's curved, and that's the rim formed by the Eltanen asteroid that impacted there. And you'll see two earthquakes that occurred uh, in the last week just around the edge of that. But if you look at the history of that area, where the rim of that impact asteroid is, is where a lot of earthquakes have occurred over the time we've been keeping digital records of it. So these things, these great impacts, form thin stressed areas of the, the mantle of the seabed. Um, and that's why we have a number of earthquakes occurring over in the middle of South America there where you know, uh, Peru, Chile are in that little uh, indent, dented in area. I'll have to uh, put that in my new book I'm talking about, Atlantis and Eden, that kind of stuff, because uh, I show you where the actual asteroid impacted out in the middle of the South Pacific and, and uh, moved into South America to form that dent. Uh, again, that's how you can you be suspicious of activity there. And then over in the Marianas Trench, which is like nearly seven miles deep in places over on the west side of the Pacific, just south of Japan, but out in the, the middle of the ocean there, um, the uh, the trench is part of two asteroids. One hit the Philippines, one hit up off the coast of uh, China, uh, southern coast of that. And between the two of them, they formed this push-out. And you can see in the little red fault line or, or tectonic border, they call it, you can see an arc, which is the end of the one that hit the Philippines and, and shoved the seabed over like that. So that, too, is not only the deepest place, the deepest crevice in the Earth's surface from that kind of activity, but it is... Uh, part of a, an area that we can suspect large earthquakes to occur eventually, or larger. The United States still being very calm over there. I couldn't find any areas there that were impacts on land. Well, I take that back. I think there's one over in New England, New England states going down into the Georgia region, but that's kind of iffy at the moment. Uh, it, it's hard to, to be sure that the footprint I see there is a, an asteroid to impact when the Earth was a lot younger. Anyhow, I, I digress. But that's that's image 13, the global earthquake map for the last week. If you go to image 14, we're looking at the United States, uh, the, the lower 48 states, and you can see there that the New Madrid has been a little bit busy this week. Uh, there's uh, there's small earthquakes, but they're telling you there's uh, micro fractures, you know, little cracks going on in the New Madrid fault line. Um, Normal stuff happening over in Oklahoma, you know, in northern Oklahoma, where you have the the fracking and uh, disposal of salt water and stuff. One earthquake up in the New Madrid, sorry, in the um, Juan de Fuca Plate up at near the border 
outline of stresses on the west side of the United States. You'll see these little tiny earthquakes and some larger ones outline an area from Las Vegas right on up through to the border to uh, Canada, just south of Calgary. And uh, then along the coast, you can see it and around the the, the breadbasket here uh, in the, uh, oh, what do you call it, the... um, the Breadbasket, California, what's that, uh, that valley called? The, um, you know it. What's yeah, it the valley. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. The valley. Uh, yeah, the valley. Oh, gosh, my mind's gone blank. Old age, I guess, but anyway. San Joaquin Valley. Uh, San Joaquin, oh. yes, yeah, sorry, San Joaquin. San Joaquin, all right. Uh, and and the, the earthquakes occurring around that do probably lend credence to the various seers reports, you know, of how California will break up into islands rather than the whole thing fall off. There will be islands as it fractures and uh, in our lifetime anyway. That's, well, if we're still here, that's something we would probably see and deal with. Um, <clears throat> there's um, image 11. I've got two links underneath it to watch the bulletproof study on the date of the rapture, which is occurring in late September this year or the guy's website that put the video up and his link to the uh, the work of the guy uh, at uh, Dallas Theological uh, Studies, uh, Theological Seminary, uh, Dr. Michael Spiegel, I think, S-V-I-G-E-L Spiegel, who is an associate professor of theological studies. So they've worked out, and he's this guy that has a website, uh, studied it, and they've worked out that there will be a 30-day period before the beginning of the tribulation, which we can see uh, that the alignment of uh, the moon, uh, you know, in the the Virgo constellation, which I'll show, I'll show you that in a minute on my website there, that alignment uh, marks the beginning uh, of the you know, Revelation 12 uh, in the skies. It only occurs once, you know, in the last twenty or two thousand years, something like that. And so we are pretty sure that this is marking the beginning of the tribulation period. This guy is, of course, absolutely positive, and so I put that caveat, probably, maybe, he's not picking the exact day or the exact hour, but he's telling you when a 48-hour window occurs that will probably be the the, the rapture before uh, the the, the September 23rd alignment of Virgo. Now, go to that uh, thing, listen to his video, and, and read the articles yourself and see what you think. Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, cause anybody to have an argument, but th- I found this study fit in so well with what I've got in image two and uh, image three. And if you look at my image two, uh, you can click on the image and see the enlargement that I made, but you can also go to the website of the um, guy, his website's called uh, watchforthedayorg and you can just link to it from that image too. Um, the great sign of Revelation uh, 12 occurs in 2017, and he, you know, I read his stuff. I certainly agree with a lot of what I see there and find it quite fascinating. I've checked this stuff back year at a time using various software programs all the way back before the time of Jesus, but um, there, it, it, for the wording they used in Revelation 12 about, you know, the virgin and the moon and her feet and the stars at her head, you know, uh, all that description, uh, there are 12 stars that are over the head of the Virgo formation uh, lining up on the 23rd of September this year. That's a quite rare thing. There's no um, being misled by that. Uh, that. That does happen. So look at that and uh, add that to your study if you're
rallies that we may see a, a bit of hardship and chaos between now and then here in the states and elsewhere in the world for sure um, as far as you know civil war or you know uh, terrorist attacks and all kinds of things but if we can make it down to September the end of September I think we will see that the rapture may well occur in that time period interesting, interesting isn't it yeah I'm just looking at the planetary alignment um so okay, uh, yeah, the planetary alignment's just uh, is very interesting. As uh, uh, the moon, the sun. Hmm. Well, and folks, um, let me say that uh, Rosh Hashanah begins on the twentieth of September this year, and the first day of Tishri of Rosh Hashanah is the twenty-first, hmm. and uh, the twenty-third falls on the Sabbath, the third day of Tishri. And that's when that alignment is perfect. Just a thought. And, okay, so, so so this just looking at this uh, this planetary alignment that's never happened uh, before, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and it, because it aligns so well with the the description uh, in uh, Revelation twelve, um, Revelation twelve one. And there appeared a great wonder where? In heaven. And that's where this consolation is. A woman clothed with the sun. And certainly if you look at that uh, image, the sun is on her shoulders, clothing her in this alignment. And as I say, I've, I've run through this thing really almost hour at a time looking at where that alignment of the sun over the shoulder would be. But the rest of it says, and the moon under her feet at the same time, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, I didn't, you know, discover this this lineup with Revelation uh, 12, but I did investigate after it was pointed out to me. And I tell you what, uh, the, the twelve stars they're looking for, you've got the formation of Leo, uh, which looks like stars to an observer from the ground looking at this formation. And then you've got Mercury, Mars, and Venus, uh, you know, lining up there at the same time. And that gives you your 12 stars. And the moon is at her feet. Um, and you wouldn't believe, uh, well, you would if you go to these programs, you, you would see how rapidly the position of the stars, the sun, the moon, all this uh, change as the clock ticks. So finding these kind of alignments uh, with the computer software we got, it, you go back 2,000 years or so uh, before it happened before. And uh, I'm, there'll be another one that's not as good an alignment within two years of this, and then there'll be a long spate after that, you know, barring any you know catastrophic events in the solar system. But um, the uh, I put a little link uh, or uh, explanation of the image of the that you're looking at astronomical image there in image two, where it has you see that HIP six six two four nine pointing at Virgo, the star there. If you remember that and go to slide three next to it, you'll see that um, the meaning of uh, that that name of that, which is Zeta Virginis or Heza in Hebrew, is uh, you, know, you put all the letters together, and it says like it's behold the returning light straight from God to man, and that's what's the name of that uh, star there in right in the middle of Virgo. Is that a Virginis? So this has been, you know, hidden in the stars. You know, they were set there for times and seasons. You know, and tell us what you know what the time and season is because they didn't move very much from the time of Jesus to now, as far as major factors. But minor alignments did, and that's how God gave to the prophets the the ability 
interesting. And people watching this or people listening to this can go to YouTube uh, well, or the Stan's show images page, but uh, it's uh, on display on YouTube if you're watching this live, of course, uh, or via archive. Uh, you, can, you can go to, go to the standeo.com, his uh, page of images, show images, or on our YouTube channel. Very interesting. Yeah. And, but you said two years, um, a similar configuration in two years from now or I mean not exactly it'll be it'll be a minor form of that it won't be as tight and I'm not sure yeah. that we have all 12 stars where they need to be it's a, I think in that one as I recall it was um, the sun was in, the, in a lower position down her body rather than being up on her shoulder it depends on that you know whether that uh, is where it means close with the sun do you have meaning close with the sun be the sun on her shoulder or down at her waist uh, and that was the difference there, major difference. But anyway, those two things tell us we're in in the region, in the in the neighborhood, and it's wow. meant to be good news uh, because we know the tribulation starts uh, in Revelation 12 there, and uh, when Satan and his minions are cast out of heaven down to earth, and all sorts of bad stuff is going to start happening. That's the tribulation period. So uh, at least we are getting very close to things lining up on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, you know, special events like, uh, you know, uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, the, the New Year. Uh, that's the civil New Year. And then this sign in the heavens. I, I'm I'm terribly excited about it, and I, I just wanted to share that with folks so that, uh, you know, they don't just have a gloomy evening. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, Stan, we've got about uh, four or five minutes left. I don't know how much of this you got to go through. Did you get a chance to read through any of the WikiLeaks CIA um, findings? Um, no, I didn't. What What are you okay. talking about in particular? Well, the um, there's Vault a file called seven. Vault, yeah, Vault yeah. Seven that WikiLeaks released today, and there's people are still going over this over eight thousand documents, but some of what has come out today uh, from those documents, one the CIA can turn on smart TVs, phones, into gadgets with open mics. You know, some of this has been um, talked about. That's but this is, this is the proof, about. yeah. The NSA has no checks and balances, um, you know, weaponizing all the electronics and anything that's connected to the Internet. Um, their cyber uh, attacking abilities. Um, and also that the, the Russian hackers, apparently, that... Uh, the media has been so quick to talk about and try to lump in with Trump turned out to be apparently American spies <laughs> um, where they used you know their technology to make it look or to leave footprints to to implicate somebody else uh, and I mean there's just so much um, I mean, well you I know I've, we, we talked about the show a few weeks back remember when we were looking at all those lines about where you can go to that site that lets you see who's real time hacking what country and where it came from yeah, and how they would go uh, over to the Middle East and use Oh, was it the UAE's uh, computer systems network there to, you know, to hide where the actual attack came from to any particular country? They, you know, use those servers as proxies. And so, yeah, I believe that. No question about that. It's uh, officially called misdirected attribution, and and that's yeah, misdirected attribution. So it would be using one computer to, or it would setting someone up, framing them. I guess. And, and hey, on a lighter note, can you can you hear this crunching in the background here? Listen, I'll be quiet. Listen. Oh, she stopped now. I was gonna say no. no. <laughs> it's my dog having a, a chew on a 
favorite bone. She's really getting into it anyway. You know, she's you're not, gonna love she's that. not bothered by this, all this stuff. No, no. <laughs> uh, our lady of the studio dog is laying right, uh, right in the middle of the studio. Uh, she's actually sprawled out. Um, so yeah, you gotta love the dogs, right? You gotta love the. Oh, they, they do form you know, a bit of uh, humor and comic relief to the day. We we see things in them every day that tickle us. <laughs> in fact, Bella, one that's chewing the bone here, she uh, she's a you know black colored dog. She's a, a kelpie, but we let them out in the back uh, to run out there in an acre and a half or so, and to, because it's dry grass and broken off and stuff, she found a place out in the backyard to really just roll on her back, on her side, on her nose, on her head, uh, in between her toes. <laughs> and when she came up wanting to come in the house this uh, morning, we saw nothing but grass bits with two eyes sticking out. <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, it took Holly and I two vacuum cleaners and a broom and a brush to get her where she could come in again. And you had to stop laughing, but anyway. Suit. That's right. Wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Fabulous. Made her own ghillie suit. Yeah, uh, that's wonderful. Well, well Sandy, did, well, you, I was gonna, uh, I was going to say we got about a minute left. You did it again, man. You took us to the end of the program. But go ahead. If uh, just if a couple of quick thought. notes. The um, there are articles on our news page. Holly's put up. Uh, look for the uh, third of all U.S. shopping malls projected to close as space available signs go up all over America. This does not bode well when a third of these shopping centers and other businesses, you know, that are closing down uh, or shutting down stores like Sears, JCPenney's, Macy's. This yeah. is preparing you for what is coming, the, the financial collapse. And uh, there's going to be a crisis that will require some really interesting ways to exchange money, you know, to to get rid of cash and go to digital. Just another little warning to watch, guys. Yeah, our, our, actually, I was speaking with my wife today. Our uh, large mall that we have here, Sears, is closed. I said, when did that happen? Oh, a couple of weeks ago, apparently. So. Hmm. Yeah, well, Walmart's been doing the same thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Something to watch. Well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much, and my best to uh, our best to, to Holly and uh, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. She hasn't slowed up. I don't know how she doesn't chip her teeth off, but I'll tell her. <laughs> the dog, not Holly. <laughs> oh, that was a wicked look. <laughs> right, Thanks for that Thanks clarification. All right, man. Thanks, God man. bless, man. Bye, bye. God bless. All right. Well, folks, that'll do it for us. Uh, wow, you know, uh, it's an amazing thing. You, but you got to love the dogs, seriously. And uh, any, anyone with a dog out there listening to this, uh, g- give your give your pal an extra hug, an extra pat. Um, seriously, a little scratch behind the ear. Tomorrow we have a great show lined up for you. And hour one, Lisa Lisa Haven will oh, be yeah. our guest. Yeah. Richard Gibson will be joining us in hour two. And Pastor David Langford has tomorrow night. Uh, he's off tomorrow yeah, night from he our is. show. He's got uh, some prior engagements that he's he's got going on. But Jason Peters will be filling in for him. So we got a, a great show lined up for you tomorrow, and it was a, a great show tonight. Teal Davis, William Ramsey, and then Stan Dale. But be be sure to tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to continue to uh, spread the word about our show, please. Yeah, and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done that already. Yes. Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, have a great evening.